Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. What's up, everyone? Freddy the Pizza Man here, host of the Pizza Man Podcast. Now joining forces with ChristopherMedia.net. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Pizza Man Podcast. And, of course, find all the podcasts on ChristopherMedia.net. We talk Detroit sports. I bring on guests, uh, passions, opinions, uh, all for Detroit sports, and more. We even talk pizza. So thanks for tuning in and uh, spread the word. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. Welcome to Sporty, the show that gives you half-assed sports fans giving their half-assed opinions. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Sporty <laughs> number 93. I'm Chris. I'm Rich. I am the Iceman. <laughs> and I'm Todd. Joining Hi. us is Todd. Hello, Todd. All Hello, right, so, Chris. Oh, Todd, uh, we, we, we uh, at least until we hit 100, we try to name as many people that, that we can without the help of Google who wore 90 the number of the episodes so obviously 93 would be today's so number what do you 90 got? I have no idea maybe Allison oh. Felix should wear number 93 to immortalize it <laughs> since she's so dominant maybe she should just wear a name tag that says what she does that way people know like who do, I'm Allison Felix who okay I'll use your slippers, oh, use your slippers? What the hell was that? Oh, yeah. Iceman? Huh? <laughs> is your is your domestic bliss taken care of? Can we can we go on with the show? <laughs> How are your slippers? I ice man. <laughs> Damn man. <laughs> All right. All right. So who All you right, got for ninety three? Tip shit. Come on, man. Let's go. I, my. Yes, you my number, 90, my number 93 is John Randall. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. He's a Viking guy, right? Yes, he is he, the Viking guy. Yeah. Uh, that's the only one I can think of. See, for me, it's there's two. There's Doug Gilmore yeah. and, of course, the mule, Johan Franzen. Oh, possibly, yeah. Possibly the worst signing when compared to we could have had Marian Hossa versus Johan Franzen. And Ken Holland said, I'm going to throw all this money at Johan Franzen. Well, and wait a minute. Didn't he make an offer to Hosa, though, before he went to Chicago? I thought, I thought Hosa wanted to play in Chicago rather than playing in Detroit. Am I misremembering this? He wanted a long-term contract with, a, with uh, whatever team that he was going to go to. Right. Because he, came, he, he signed a one-year contract a year before he played for us with Pittsburgh. And then yeah. Pittsburgh lost to Detroit in the, in the Cup Finals that year. The next year, he signed a one-year contract with us. And then Detroit lost to Pittsburgh. So he said, fuck it. I want a long-term contract, and I want it with a competitor. Absolutely. And Ken Holland did what Ken Holland always does. What did you do in the playoffs? He looked at Franzen's playoff numbers. He looked at Hosa's playoff numbers. Franzen, at that point, had a more dominant performance in the playoffs. So they signed him to the long-term contract, offered Hosa the short-term, and he said, Later, I'm going to play in Chicago, Got which is is not a bad deal considering that he had Chicago at that point had Scotty Bowman very quietly behind the scenes pulling all the strings, and that's what built the, that team. So, hey, Rich, uh-huh. you, you got no love. You got no love for your home team. My home team, Gerald McCoy, Tampa Bay, number ninety three. Ah, you're right. 
that, that, that slipped. All right, whatever. And Dominic Katsu, Miami Dolphins, number 93. Oh, wait a minute. You mean Detroit hasn't re-signed him yet? Brought him back? <laughs> <laughs> That's coming. He's visiting out west. <laughs> Michael Fulmer was. Fulmer was born in 1993. There's your tiger, I guess. Best I can do. Sorry. Really? Jeez, he was God. born in 93? Yeah. It was God a year before damn. I graduated, man. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. It's four years after I was graduating. <laughs> I know. It's like, God, it makes me, makes me think, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Yeah. I oh. think it every day. Every yeah, day. the other 93 I have, I ain't mentioning. He plays for the toilet bowl. Oh, Jesus. Uh, okay, so who is it? You don't have to say the name so of the bear. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, he doesn't have to say the name if he doesn't want to. He's so a defensive lineman. Richard Dent? No. no. Oh, okay. All right, well, now that we've ejaculated every bit of 93 that we can, um, Todd's on here because we're going to, for the most part, after we get through with the sport I don't give a shit about, and some fo- maybe a little bit of football talk for because of free agency. We're going to focus on previewing the 2018 MLB season. So I I asked Todd to be on because uh, us three together, me, Chris, and, and Earl, on our best day, we'll never know as much as you've forgotten about baseball. <laughs> and I don't give that shit. I don't give that shit up easy. Trust me. I mean, if you didn't know shit, I'd tell you you don't know shit. You know shit. That's the scary part. It's like Rain Man levels of, of baseball knowledge. So we'll, we'll, we'll push through the, the other sports and we'll get to that. So if that's not your thing, eh, you might want to check out you know, another episode. But if you do, yeah, Todd's here to shame us all about baseball. If you like baseball, this is your episode. Just got to give us a few minutes to get to it. Yeah, and if you know who the fuck Allison Felix is, email me at toddzillax at gmail.com. I have no idea who this bitch is, and she's ahead of Barry Bonds. No. So I guess that's where we're starting. So ESPN released a list of its top 20 most dominant athletes of the last 20 years because it's all about ESPN, and ESPN the magazine turned 20. And uh, it's been an interesting week in the group chat because Chris and Iceman pretty much had a little... You know, welcome to Thunderdome, bitch. Moment that lasted like a day and a half over this list. Um, no one was accused of preferring the company of men to women, but it almost got to that point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so wow. since since Earl brought the list up and stirred the pot, you get to lick the spoon. Go ahead. Say no, you, there, say there's say a lot, it. a lot of reasons that this list is just total bullshit. <laughs> Todd and in the pre in the pre chat, Todd was on it. Uh, <laughs> who's Felix? I mean, there's so many different reasons, but you can't tell me that in the past twenty years, you're talking about the quote most dominant athlete in the past twenty years, and you don't put Michael Phelps in here. He is the most dominant athlete of the of five cycles of Olympics. Five cycles, 20 years. He's not on this list. You can't talk dominant athletes and not mention the most decorated Olympian in Olympics history. 28 28 uh, 28 Olympic medals, 23 of them gold. The two Olympians they put in here combined have 18 medals. 
Now, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I, I don't follow this list, not even a little bit. Me neither. They've got two uh, athletic special Olympi- Olympians in the top ten, and Michael Schumacher and uh, Jimmy Johnson. These are NASCAR drivers, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> How are they athletes? They're not athletes. Yes, I agree. Michael Phelps should be on there before either one of these two. I'm going to sit here and turn left for about three hours now. Put me on a list. Ah. No. (laughs) Oh. So, in other words, right off the bat, we just lost everyone south of the Mason-Dixon line. All right. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) You have internet down there anyway? (laughs) No. Sorry, guys. Roll Tide. Um, oh, well, okay, let me just say that I've, I've looked at the list, and as most lists go of the best or whatever the fuck, I just kind of shrug and go, okay, this is just an opinion piece, basically, because they have this dominance rating. And I'm like, okay, who came up with this bullshit? And it, 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 I don't know. I, I, I got to agree I know that there was a rebuttal piece printed by the the was it the author himself? It was the, the editor. Printer, the editor about why Michael Phelps wasn't on there. I'm like, I mean, I guess when you plant the goalpost, I guess you can pick it up and move it anytime you want. I mean, it's it, it, basically it, the whole thing seems to me like they come off like we're making the rules and we can change the rules midstream if we want to to suit. The conclusions that we already came to. So they do I mean, explain their methodology. Would you like to hear? Oh, let me strap in for this. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <clears throat> it is rather goalposty, uh, but it says we use our unpatented five-step process to determine the most dominant athletes of the past twenty years. First, we looked at the top league in every sport that has global annual revenues of 100 million or more, and for which there are reliable annual overall rankings or ratings of individual athletes for all or most of the past 20 years. Then we rated those sports athletes in each of the past 20 regular seasons by the best single performance metric available, adjusted these ratings to normalize athlete scores in each sport across time, narrowed our focus to the top four athletes each year in every sport then adjusted the data again to put these players across sports on a common baseline. Then we added up all the results to achieve this list, in which one dominance share equals one standard deviation of performance by an athlete beyond the top four players in his or her sport for one season. Uh, For metrics in the MLB, they used uh, war. Uh, The NBA, they used value above replacement. NFL, uh, defensive adjusted yards above replacement. Uh, NHL, goals versus threshold. Why? First of all, why even... There is no NHL players in this list. Yeah, none. I mean, no and uh, is that shocking coming from ESPN? No. No. I mean, in the last 20 years, they did what? They completely got rid of the NHL on their channel. So that's my beef right there. I'm like, really? I mean, we granted guys like Patrick Waugh and Martin Brodeur. Yeah, those guys maybe their careers ended in the last twenty years. Oh, Peter Forsberg. I mean, no, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. These yeah. these guys are going down as the best at their position ever, and you're telling me that they're not even sniffing this list yet. Some track and field bitch who no one knows who the fuck she is is on this list 
or two NASCAR guys. And I'm not I'm not saying this to to further beat on NASCAR. I don't really personally consider it much of a sport myself. But why would there be two NASCAR guys on here? One of which is in the top five. Actually, I'm sorry, Michael Schumacher. Is he a, he's a Formula One guy, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so I'm I'm sorry. Uh, two car drivers are on here, and not one guy from the NHL. Yeah, I would put Jimmy Johnson on here. I don't I don't know if I would necessarily put the Formula One guy on, but mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson, absolutely. I mean, if you're just talking about dominance in the sport they played, I, you know, once again, it what defines dominance? Championships. Well, if it's championships, it's not. Obviously, it's not because why the fuck where, where is, is Peyton Manning at three and Tom Brady at twenty? Where right. is Jeter? Where is Derek Jeter? Exactly. And Mike Trout. How long has Mike Trout been in the in the league? What seven years, maybe? Six. I think six or seven. I think he came. Yeah, this will be a sixth. I think he came up the same year as uh, Harper, or maybe the year okay. before. Okay. So I mean, it's like really that's that that sample size. So. I, once again, it's just it's to me it's just something to draw attention to ESPN, get people talking, well, interested in their their magazine that nobody buys anymore apparently. Well, it, I didn't even know ESPN the magazine was still around. So seems like they should rebrand ESPN the webpage or something. I mean, who buys magazines anymore? <laughs> I didn't know magazines were still around. Yeah, yeah, that you couldn't jerk off to. <laughs> be surprised what people can jerk off to. But yeah. If you go if you go in my bathroom, there's a few blur, uh, a Bloomberg uh, uh, issues of Bloomberg in there. So <laughs> if you like jerking off to fucking people talking about shit that doesn't affect you because you don't have enough money for it to affect you, come to my house. Well, wait a minute now. You're you're talking the last twenty years, so this is 1980. We're in, in 2018, so we're going back to 98. Did they go back to 98 or 99? How did that work? Did they start with 1998 or 1999? Because you're missing people like Pedro Martinez. You're missing people like Randy Johnson. Mm-hmm. Who big were, unit. Yeah, uh-huh. they, they were arguably more dominant than Mike Trout's been, at least on the mound, for a few years. I mean, I, this is just really weird. I think, I think you hit it on the head. I think it's basically to get some... It, it's an, a piece that's just put together to get people to click on it. And get people talking, get people to argue about it. I don't. I, they can they can put down all the methodology they want, but you know damn well they have had to have some sort of a meeting where they said, "Well, we have to have everything represented now." Well, except for hockey, obviously. So that's how you get it, a track and field person rating or uh, ranking ahead of Barry Bonds. I don't understand it. It has to be that, right? I, that's what I think. I mean, you look at the you look at the companion piece about the top twenty most dominant teams in the last twenty years. Yeah, I didn't see there's that. Two, there's, there's like what the, the the two college women's college basketball team, one WNBA team, and are the 2002 Red Wings on there? No, the 97-98 or 2007-2008 Red Wings are on there. Um, Over yeah, the 2002. It, wow. Yeah. <laughs> the one that pretty much uh, was the, was the New York Yankees of the NHL. Hey, Chris, calm down. There's a cricket team on here. Quit. Just quit. <laughs> I was about to say, that's, that's the other one. That's, it's not cricket, it's rugby. It's the, uh, the All Blacks from uh, New Zealand. They're on there. And I'm like, okay. Really? It, we're, we're, ESPN is trying to be inclusive for the sake of being inclusive. They're, they're, they're just going to shove whatever they can in there to try to get as many people interested in this, these lists. I mean, because let's, let's just stop and drop all pretense. Who the fuck watches the WNBA? 
I was, you know, I didn't want to say it, but that's exactly right. I mean, exactly. I, their their families. Well, we had we had what feminists. I don't know. The Detroit the Detroit uh, team. What is no longer? Uh, shock! The shock! The shock! There we go. Yeah, they won what three championships in a row, or or in a, in the span of like five six years, something like that. And their and their head coach was a former champion in the NBA with Bill Lambeer. And that team's gone. You know, it doesn't exist anymore. That was one of the best teams in that league, and they couldn't maintain that team. So, I whatever. Hey, it's ESPN. This is well-worn carpet on this show, but yeah. we know we know who butters their bread and signs their check. It's Mickey Rat, and Disney has to make sure everybody's fucking satisfied. Yeah, and they have an agenda to push. And well, there you go. This is this is the end result of it. You get what was her name? The track and field chick, <laughs> Felix Allison Felix. No, it wasn't. Allison the tra- the, the chick was Jimmy Johnson, wasn't it? Allison Felix, yeah. And I keep scrolling by. I've got this called up now, and I keep scrolling by this this woman called. Oh, she's got one name. Her name's Marta. Yeah, I'd never heard of her either. Brazilian, right? I hope so. The soccer player. I've never heard of her. I I I pay attention a little bit to to soccer. I mean, not not a ton, but I, I I pay more attention to that than I do track and field. I've never heard of her. Did either of you guys before this? No. Oh. Negative. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I Lauren Jackson is at 13 from the WNBA. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I... It, it, I yes, Lauren Stem, really? It says notched her, th- when, uh, she notched her thousandth career point. She became the youngest WNBA star to reach that benchmark. Ditto for <laughs> 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, and 5,000. Okay, well, I mean, okay, she's dominant in her sport, but I mean, I guess I my thing is, if we're talking dominant, shouldn't we talk about the dominant sports? I mean, or at least it will include them all. You know, put hockey in there. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you got how many tennis players on this fucking list? Yeah, three, yeah. four, really? You need not one hockey player, but that that's just that's just me, I guess, because that's well, my you, sport. You've got me here to talk baseball. Barry Bonds, next to Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky, is the most dominant player I have ever seen on any field. For those probably three or four years, starting probably, I think, around 2000, after he started, uh, well, after whatever happened, happened. Since they said, forget for a moment the baggage he carries. That's what it says in the article. I'll forget that. For those four years, probably, after McGuire uh, set the home run record, with Sosa in 98, I have never seen, outside of Gretzky and outside of Jordan, I have never seen anybody dominate their sport the way he did. Ever. 73 home runs. He walked over 200 times. He was intentionally walked 688 times. This According is- to this, I'm just pulling this out of the article. 688 intentional walks. Intentional walks, meaning these guys do not want to pitch to him. He is that dangerous. And he, that's 381 more than the next closest person. Yeah, and I mean, the it, fact that they walked him with the bases loaded. Yeah, yeah. That's unheard of to just go, oh, okay, fuck it. It's better than him hitting a fucking grand slam. And every time he got a pitch to hit, it seemed like for a couple of years, every single time he did something with it. 
because he never got anything to hit, and he still hit 73 home runs that year. Yeah, but my problem with Barry, though, is he cheated. I mean, well, whatever. That, I, you know, that's, that's fine. I, I, I'm with you there. I, I completely understand that. But he played the game. And uh, Well, at that point, then, I got to tell you, where's Lance Armstrong? Yeah. No, I don't. Well, yeah, I don't know. Seven I mean, back-to-back yeah. fucking. Uh, no, you're not wrong, dude. If they're going to put Barry Bonds on here, where is Lance Armstrong? I, that's I, what I, I was thinking when I saw it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm down the with that. Response, it, uh, that's no joke. That's athlete all about athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <clears throat> more of an athletic endeavor, endeavor than NASCAR. And well, again, I mean, I'm not saying that to pick on NASCAR, but yeah, it's <laughs> you're riding a bike. And on top of that, and we, you know, we've had this discussion before, Todd. Even you and I have had this discussion off air. When especially when it comes to cycling, though, everybody was doping. Yeah, that was the most corrupt sport. If you're going by using that as the as the measuring stick, everybody yeah. was doping, and he was still even if he doped, so was everybody else, and he was still that dominant. Come well, on, that's now. the same. It's the same thing with Bonds. I mean, he wasn't the only one. It wasn't like he was the only one in MLB who was injecting shit into his butt before the game. No, when you know, Roger Clemens, Logan, when Nook Logan gets suspended. <laughs> For injecting steroids, and he stiffed the majors for, what, a season maybe? Come on, man. You can't tell me steroids are the defining factor that's going to make you a dominant baseball player. If you can't hit a ball, I don't care how fucking buff you are. You're just going to strike out with buffness. That's it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fine. With a list like this, I mean, we're not talking about putting Bonds into the Hall of Fame. We're not put, talking about anything like that. If you're going to have a list like this, and the play, you have to take the playing field into account, and Bonds was still, still far, heads and shoulders above everyone else. Even then, I, I'm talking relatively speaking, he was still more dominant than anybody I have ever seen on a baseball field for those that three or four years. And he was he was going to the Hall of Fame before that. Yeah, that's that's the bitch of the entire situation. He was a Hall of Fame player before he ever stuck yeah. a needle in himself. Yeah, yeah he so, could play way before he could go yard. He could play. Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was a first ballot Hall of Famer before he stuck anything in his butt. I mean, needle. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but no. I mean, if, if you're talking about this, yeah, you, you have to. I guess maybe the maybe the answer is to just you have to take the entire playing field into context. Yeah, maybe he juiced. But so did maybe Lance Armstrong juice, but so did everybody else. So if you're talking about a dominance rating, you really don't have to qualify that because he was doing it against the same juiced competition. And he exactly. was still, still doing it. Yeah, yeah so Lance Armstrong didn't juice. He, it was fucking chemo. <laughs> Jesus. Super cancer. Yeah. He got that good cancer like Magic Johnson has that good AIDS. Makes you gain weight in open movie theaters. Um but no, I, dude, fucking, the pitchers were juicing. Yeah. I mean, what do you yeah. expect? You know, you had Andy Pettit and, yeah. and Roger Clemens. And look at Andy Pettit. Does it, I, I, on what planet is he considered jacked? None. I mean, these guys yeah. were doing it. They, they weren't doing it to get big like Bonds necessarily. Everybody, wow. everybody was, they were doing it different, different ways. The pitchers were doing it because it helped with recovery. In other words, their arm would bounce back, and it would help them kind of heal, and they'd be stronger for their next start because it wouldn't take them as long, their body, to recover as quickly. It's a different game with pitchers than it is with hitters. Exactly. That's that's what I'm getting at. I mean, so it, 
I don't know. I just I've said this before a dozen times on this show. Put him in the fucking Hall of Fame. Slap an ass, slap a note on it. Call it the steroid era, just like they had the dead ball era. Right. Yeah, baseball. The, the best thing they could do is to just fucking go. You know what? Yeah, we fucked up. We know it. But we're, we're doing cleaned our, up. We're yeah. doing our best to keep clean, yeah. quote unquote. But that's just the way it is, man. I mean, it's yeah, it's. I, like, it's I tell you, you really this. think they're going to put him in the Hall of Fame? We're talking about an organization that won't put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. Well, you got to understand the history of gambling, though. I do. I mean, that's 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 a whole different conversation because uh, gambling and the the Black Sox and all that shit back in, in 1919 almost brought the entire game down. And baseball, whether it's right or wrong, they have a no tolerance. And relatively speaking, anyway, a no tolerance policy as far as is when it comes to gambling, simply because of what happened in their in their past. It's almost like they have PTSD when it comes to gambling. <laughs> so Pete Rose, I mean, there's a Pete Rose is Pete Rose. He's an asshole. He's unapologetic. He, you know, sort of held to the "I didn't do anything wrong" thing for way too long. Had he had he been contrite, had he admitted to what he had done. A uh, long, long time ago, he might have a shot at getting in. But it, it is weird that you that your all-time hits leader and your all-time home run leader, <laughs> neither one are in the Hall of Fame. It is a little it, odd. <laughs> exactly, and yeah. I mean, we we could do almost probably a whole show on how fucked up the Hall of Fame for baseball voting is. But it, we're not putting people in because they were ex- exemplary human beings off the field, or else Ty Cobb would never even sniff the Hall of Fame. Right. Well, Ty Cobb also he he also had uh, there was gambling surrounding him too, so I mean there there's there's some there's some weird things there's some weird inconsistencies when it goes to that because yeah Ty Cobb and Barry Bonds is also he's one of those guys that was he he's known as a prick he's really you know just a a, a real jackass when it comes to dealing with people in the press kind of like Ty Cobb was kind of like uh, Pete Rose was but there's there's this really weird disconnect when it comes to. Uh, you know, people like Cobb and the racism and beating a, a handicapped guy in the stands being tied to gambling. But he's a first, I mean, not just first ballot. He's a first class inductee. But yet you've got uh, people like Bonds and Rose who are, you know, sort of kept out because of a lot of it's due to their, their relationship with the press. It is a lot of it. Well, yeah, that's 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 where I'm like, eh. your personal opinion of of their personality should not affect the numbers are what you put are putting into the Hall of Fame. The numbers yeah. they put up, not their personality. Yeah. This I isn't mean, Jack, this isn't nice guy Hall of Fame. Yeah, Jack Morris is going to the Hall of Fame. I don't, if, personally, I wouldn't have voted for either Trammell or Morris. I know that's blasphemy being in the state of Michigan and saying that, but I personally, just my opinion, I would have voted for neither one of them. But Morris is going to the Hall of Fame this year, put in by the uh, the Veterans Committee, and a lot of people think that had Morris had a better relationship and been more accessible with the press that he probably would have made it several years ago. A lot of people think that that's the reason that it, that it took him so long that he fell off the actual writer's ballot and had to be put in by the uh, uh, Veterans Committee. But it happens. I don't understand it. I don't, I, honestly, I don't understand why. It's, I, I think it, it's like anything else in life. You've got to play the game and you've got to be politic when you do it. And if you, if you don't, yeah. the, I mean, look, we're half-ass sports, I guess, sports media, because we do a show, we talk about sports. But, I mean, there's a lot of guys in, the, in, in sports media who were the picked last type guys. You know, they <laughs> love sports, but I'll take the fat kid over fucking John Clayton. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're they're pissy about it. So yeah, but that's 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 a whole other subject. Um, I do think it's. I mean, look, I'm not. You wouldn't put anything. smoking Jack Morris in the Hall of Fame, Dad. I wouldn't put Jack Morris in the Hall of Fame. No. I, I, I'm kind of a prick when it comes to the Hall of Fame voting, and I, I like the idea that the, uh, the the Baseball Hall of Fame is exclusive. I don't want it to turn into Canton. I don't want it to turn into you let everybody in if they were kind of good. It's the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Very Good. I know it's a cliche, but that's exactly what it is. And my standard is that if I were voting, which obviously I never will, but if I were, if I had any question, if I had to ask, is this person a Hall of Famer? My default answer would be no, he's not a Hall of Famer. If I have to ask, you don't belong in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you're a great player. Great. Go, go into the Tiger Hall of Fame. Go into the Michigan Hall of Fame. But you do not belong in the National Baseball Hall of Fame if I have to ask and consider whether or not you belong. That's my standard. And Jack Morris, you look at his ERA. You look at, uh, I don't think he ever won a Cy Young Award. Won 20 games once, I think. Maybe twice. Uh, his ERA, I think, is the highest of any, highest or second highest of anybody in the Hall of Fame when he gets inducted. Didn't strike out three thousand. Uh, yeah, he's he was good. He was very good. He is a clutch player. He had one. He's known for one game. He's known for that ten inning shutout in Game Seven of the '91 World Series, and that's the one thing that is gonna that that sort of pushed him over the edge. Had he not had that one game, that everybody remembers, the signature moment, he wouldn't. I don't think he'd be in the Hall of Fame. I remember more for 84, but okay. <laughs> well, it's because you live in Michigan. But <laughs> I used to. I live in Kansas now, but yeah. Oh, Jesus. Really? You have internet there, too? <laughs> Very, Sweet. We, we got chicken wire, actually. Ran up to the shed. And Fuck yeah. Tell Dorothy Todd said hi. <laughs> right? No, but uh, yeah, I mean, he... It, as soon as outside, she gets back. <laughs> well, outside, outside of Tiger fans, most people around the country... Uh, remember Morris for that one game. That's it. And had he not had that game, uh, I don't think I don't know. I don't think he'd be in. Yeah, when I when I uh, I was living in Florida during that 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 game seven, and a lot of people were like, Jack Morris. You mean the guy who used to pitch for the Tigers? And I'm like, that's. And they say it with a question mark at the end of it, and I'm like, what? Yeah, you have to ask. And, yeah. and you know, so it. Yeah. I, I've, I've been around the country enough to know that. Yeah, it's it's true. Now Trammel, come on, man. Ozzy Gian's in the Hall of Fame, and Trammel's numbers. Ozzy Gian's in the Hall of Fame. Double check he? that. No, he's not. I don't think. So. I don't think so. You can double check that. I don't think so. Not Ozzy. Uh, God damn it. Ozzy Smith. Ozzy Smith. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Best of, best defensive shortstop ever. He got in on his glove. He ain't no Tram- Trammel. Ain't no Ozzy Smith with a glove. No, 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 no. But I'm talking about just basic uh, his offensive numbers. And yeah, Robin Young was better. He wasn't even the best shortstop in his division, let alone his generation. That's why I don't I mean, put him in. I mean, I, I, again, I, I think you know you know how I would let him in. I would let him in tethered to Lou Whitaker. Because that was a Hall of Fame keystone combination. They played together longer than any other keystone combination in the history of baseball. They were icons in the city. They won a World Series together. They were uh, Trammel to Whitaker. Whitaker and Trammel, you say the two together. I would put those two in the Hall of Fame together. Give them like, like a, put their, both of their faces on one plaque. I would do that. <laughs> I, would put, I wouldn't put either one of them in alone. In fact, I, you know, looking at the statistics, just looking at the stats... 
Lou Whitaker may have a better case for the Hall of Fame than Trammell if you compare it to what other second basemen throughout the history of the game have done. But once again... You're, you're kind of comparing the 84 Tigers to the go-to-work Pistons. What? Without, without the uh, players they played with, they weren't really that good, right? I have no idea what you're saying, brother. <laughs> you don't know the go-to-work Pistons. All right. <laughs> no. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, I'm just saying... I, I, uh, Trammell, no, was, no, it you, makes a makes a lot of sense. Yeah, really he does. was he was a really good player. He was, but again, Robin Yount. If you look at his statistics, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he, he wound up with well over three thousand hits. I think uh, Yount was a better shortstop, and he played in the same division as Trammell did. Cal Ripken played in the same division during that that period of time as Trammell did. And one of the you know one of the benchmarks and one of the the qualifiers and one of the the voting parameters I guess that the the Hall of Fame gives is that they typically want these players to be the best at their position while they played. It's it's, it's sort of a I don't know if it's written down or it's an unwritten, unwritten rule, but that's sort of the kind of kind of the standard they go by unless there was just this glut of talent there. And Yount Ripken. You know, they were they were kind of on par. Trammell was never uh, quite at that level. He had one good year. He had one year where he uh, he got ripped off. He should have won the MVP at 87. He didn't. George Bell, I think, beat him out for God knows what reason. But he never got his MVP. He won one championship, won a few gold gloves, was an all-star a few times. But he was never he was never a dominant shortstop like Cal Ripken and, and like uh, uh, Robin Yell was. was good. Well, I mean, I, to, to double back on something you said about Lou Whitaker, you could actually make a case that he's more deserving of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It goes back to what we were speaking about even before that. He was also he also had a contentious relationship with the press. Yeah, Alan Trammell was not that guy. Right. Alan Trammell was affable. He was the boy next door. And Lou Whitaker was sort of the leave me alone, let me go play second base. Yeah. You know, guy. Yeah. I hear about that talk. I'm just about that action, boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Lou Whitaker was so good. No, I, mean, I consider myself he, very lucky to have seen those guys play in person many times as a kid. Yeah, yeah, me too. I was uh, really like, I saw them when I was working at Tiger Stadium. Uh, I started there in 1994. And uh, sitting off the auxiliary scoreboards, remember Tiger Stadium, they had those scoreboards that hung off the upper decks on the infield? That's where mm-hmm. my camera was. <laughs> and it was, uh, I mean, Gibson was on, on one of those teams toward the end of his career. Whitaker and Trammell were both still there. Uh, yeah, it was really... Is a I, I felt so lucky uh, to be able to watch that. But Whitaker, uh, there I think he was maybe Frank White, uh, Willie Randolph, maybe. But there weren't a lot of really great second basemen. Damaso Garcia played for the Blue Jays about that time. He was a good ball player. But I think Whitaker, if you look at the second basemen who were playing at the time, it depends on whether or not you put Paul Molitor in that category. He played a lot of third base uh, for the Brewers. But he was right up there. I mean, he was probably closer to the top uh, tier of second baseman during the time he played, maybe, than Trammell was. Well, you know, one of, the things, Go ahead. Uh, one of the things until Trammell and, and, and Morris were put in by the veteran committee that blew my mind, and I would talk to people, you know, other sports fans, and they would go, damn, I didn't need that. Really? I never thought about it. That's fucked up. Is that of that 84 Tigers team, take away Sparky Anderson, there was no Hall of Famers. Not one. Not even, well, until these two, not even close. That's what I'm saying. And I, and yeah. like, I can't think of a team that, that everybody is eligible for the Hall of Fame that won a mm-hmm. World Series that didn't have at least one Hall of Famer on it before, before the Tigers in 84. And they, they might be out there, but I can't think of one. 
Yeah, because even uh, the catcher, Lance Parrish, he was nothing after he left Detroit. He had one good year in Philadelphia. I think he yeah, hit like but he was like he was an eight-time All Star. Yeah, he was he was my favorite player when I was growing up. I mean, he was he was the Mine shit. Too, by the way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hated Gary Carter because Gary Carter, I thought, was the only catcher in baseball that was better. So I hated him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> in fact, I may have given him the brain tumor. I don't know, just with my vibes. But uh, uh, yeah, there there was really nobody. The else love for Marty Castillo. <laughs> Talk from the '84 team. <laughs> what about Rusty Coons? Come on. Oh, we're going to do this. Like Tom Brookins, give me some. It's pronounced. How many times do you think Rusty in his life had to say, it's pronounced Koontz? Thank you very much. Every damn day. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you know he was picked on in school. Hey, what's up, cunts? Oh, you, you think? <laughs> yeah, I thought my last name got some, some, some oh, heat in geez. school, but yeah, at least it ain't cunts. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right, though. I mean, I'm trying to think of another team that won a World Series that didn't have any Hall of Famers on it. Up until then, I'm, I, it's hard. I don't know that I, I really don't know that, that I can think of one. I mean, cause, Maybe, I, you know, every they, once in a while, I, I would say this and someone would go, what about Gibby? I'm like, oh, Mr. Two Hit himself? No, he ain't going anywhere. He's known for two hits. He's known for the World Series in 84, and he's known for Game 1 of 88. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That's exactly right. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love Gibby. I loved it. He's the type of player I love. I, I don't I don't really find myself rooting for the superstars. I mean, I'd love to have him on my team. Yeah. But, like, Placido Polanco is my favorite player, probably, of this, this last run the Tigers had. And growing up, it was, you know, Mike Heath. I, I like the... Yeah. The grind them... The, 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 the everyday grind them out guys that do the little things... That they aren't home runs. They're not 15 strikeouts in a game, but they right. win you the fucking game. Yeah. You know, there was a period where Palacio Polanco was rock solid at second. And if you got on, he was going to move you. If you got on before him, that's why they hit him second. He was the best contact hitter in the league for a season or two. He was going to get you over one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was just. You need guys like that. I mean, unless you're going to just stock your team with nothing but fucking guys that just hit the long ball. But, you know, that's no guarantee of winning because look at the 2006 Yankees versus the Tigers. I mean, Leland called the 2006 Yankees murderer's row plus Cano. <laughs> and what happened? Mm-hmm. Bye-bye, shit-fucking team. You know, I mean, it, it's, that's what happened to that team. So, yeah. All right, better catcher, Lance Parrish or Matt Noakes? No, Lance Parrish. You kidding Parrish. me? <laughs> Jesus, yeah. <laughs> That's that's a question. <laughs> Someone has <Yeah>. to. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know. Actually, if you want to phrase that question next time to somebody, somebody else, dude, ask him who had the better best season, Lance Parrish or Matt Noakes. Because then it's not so. I think Noakes had one or two. He almost hit thirty home runs, or did hit thirty home runs? I think one year, didn't he? I think so. Yeah. Like he 80, was ninety-two or ninety-three, maybe. He was hot shit for a minute. Like they were really you know pushing him. And then yeah. later, I was like, what happened? I, I came back from Florida, and I'm like, where's Matt Noakes? And they're like, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. Okay. He's in All New right. York. <laughs> oh, here's one for you if you want to you ask questions like that. Rob Deere, Pete Incavelia. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I got a bigger breeze from Incavelia, but Deere actually hit the ball. So. Those are dark <laughs> days. Entire history, yeah, if you're bringing up yeah. those names. 
Yeah, well, those dark days are back. No. Yes. <laughs> oh, should, <laughs> You're gonna should be, we just jump right into it? Your bracket's on fire. We'll talk about the tournament. Your bracket is done, if you can hear our voice. Two number one seeds are out. We'll talk. We'll, we'll get to we'll all that next week. We're already in baseball. Let's just bathe right in it. Well, you know what? If you want to talk about the, the bracket for like two minutes, I'm going to go hit the, uh, the head, and then I'll jump back in. How's that? Okay, oh. cool. Well, Todd's peeing. Right. Your bracket is still on fire. <laughs> your, your bracket's going down the toilet with his pee. Even if Todd peed on your bracket, it would still be on fire. Yeah, uh, yeah nobody I, saw this shit coming. Like, can, can, we, can we stop calling UMBC a Cinderella story? You won a game. A Cinderella story would win the whole fucking tournament. Yeah, Gee, a Cinderella story about a team. You, you won one fucking game. Can we calm I, down the hyperbole? I have to say this, though. It's never happened before. That is a epic history-making upset. But no, yeah, you're going to have one win. history-making upset. It is not a Cinderella story. No, absolutely. Yes. Cinderella story goes at least to the fucking championship game. Give me to the Elite Eight. But, I mean, I, that's to me, that's really the only thing really in my mind as the non-basketball fan on the show. The uh, only thing really worth talking about at this point is where does that rank in upsets? In that's sports? the top. That I mean, is the biggest upset. I mean, is it is it up there with Appalachian State, Michigan? Uh, yeah, it oh. beats that. Oh yeah, it kicks that one's ass. Yeah, because I, Virginia I was ranked the number one team in the country. Not just the number one in, in the tournament, not just number one for their division. They were ranked the number one in the country. And Michigan Appalachian State, when you get down to that, that was a fucking, that was a tune-up game. That was like an August 1st, week one football game. This was, you know, this this was number 16 destroying number one's hopes right away. You know, in the tournament, and it didn't they even didn't they have to even play in. weren't they, weren't they one of the, the the first four teams or whatever? Didn't they have to play in to get in the tournament? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And yeah, and this has never happened before. I mean, this is this is for for a while. This is going to be like the upset. Well, I mean, I I the reason I I brought up Michigan and Appalachian states because I've been listening to for the last couple of days a, a bunch of fucking butt hurt Sparty fans call up. And say, no way is it bigger than the Michigan Appalachian State upset. That's the oh, yeah. worst. That's the worst upset in history. No. Michigan has to take that L. And I'm like, calm your taste, Sparty fans. Could you please stop being obsessed with with Michigan just for a day? Like seriously, we get it. You hate Michigan. I understand that. And what right. what, what makes this upset so big as well is is yes, it was a one seed, but this was the one seed. This was the team that was picked to win the tournament. Yeah, that's what I was saying. This is the the number one team in the country. Not just their bracket, not just their division. It. They were the it. They were the fucking Patriots. Everybody knew coming into March Madness, into this tournament, they had to beat Virginia at some point. I don't care where you started, where you were going to end. If you were going to go and be called a national champion, you were facing Virginia. Well, to 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 just pivot just a little bit. The more interesting talk locally, at least, is 
there is a bunch of people fucking saying Izzo's done. And I mean, get the fuck out of my face. The people that are talking about the hashtag fire Izzo for for what? A game for starters. And he can't shoot the ball. He can't make the ball go in the basket. I mean, that's it's. Well, I think it's ridiculous. Unfortunately, call a lot for of his firing. A lot of what I'm hearing is people who, because unfortunately in today's day and age, politics and everything leak into to everything. You can't. You, nothing is unsullied, and you know it's the athletic department at MSU because of Larry Nasser and. He had a, you know, Izzo had a, a, a recruit have a $40 dinner with a agent, and he didn't report this. And so, you know, they're trying to connect dots and say it's just, it's systemic. It's the entire athletic department at MSU. They need to clean house. And I'm just like, oh, my fucking God, dude. What the fuck does Larry Nasser have to do with Tom Izzo? Nothing. I'll, inter- I'll interject here. Dots. Those people are stupid, and they should shut up. They don't have anything to do with Tom Izzo or the basketball program. And for the people who are hashtagging Fire Izzo, perhaps, as I told Chris on Facebook, the hashtag should have been Play Izzo because he may have made one or two or maybe three of those last 13 shots the team missed and they would have won the game. Well, his fault, his team missed the last 13 freaking shots and lost by what, four? Yeah, yeah I mean, You make two more shots throughout the course of the game, the team wins. They, t- they theoretically... Shooting aside, outplayed Syracuse. All they had to do was hit two more shots. That's it. They had an off night. Choked, whatever you want to say. That's not Izzo's fault. See, this is, to me, this, this is, and I'm, I've been guilty of it in my life. You know, I kind of feel like I'm going through it now with the Red Wings. This is the problem with having success over a long period of time. Yeah. When, when you run in, it's inevitable. Okay? Failure is a part of sports. Losing is, is a major part of sports. One team wins the championship. Not everybody. One team. So, That's what I makes mean, it special, though. So yeah, another part of sports is performing under pressure. These kids are 18 to 22 years old. You know, a lot of these kids, you don't know how they're going to perform down at crunch time when the team's down and they have to hit big shots. This isn't the coach's fault <laughs> that they went out there and they, they, they essentially choked. You know, this isn't the NBA. You're not signing these people after, you know, a 10-year uh, uh, sample size to know who can hit in the clutch and who can't. They're high school kids coming in to play college ball. They're young kids. They got, apparently, it, it seemed to me anyway, watching the game, that they were, they were basically clenching their buttholes every time they shot the ball. You know, that doesn't have anything to do with coaching. You know, he's put together a hell of a program in Michigan State. I mean, they, they had a lot of success under Tom Izzo. I mean, One I, I game. would... Nah. I would really like to sit someone down who, who really believes that Izzo should be fired and go, who the fuck do you think you're going to get to replace him? This exactly. is the best, it's the best basketball coach you're ever going to see at MSU. I mean, in in your lifetime, the odds are winning the lottery ridiculous that you're going to find a better coach to replace him. Yeah. It just doesn't happen every day, folks. You know, and I I don't know. It it just, to me, it's it's very irritating that somehow, because Larry Nasser, you know, molested 150 plus people, you know, girls and well, I guess people now because there's a there's a guy that come out and said that he molested them. You know, it somehow that means and don't don't get it wrong, I'm a Wolverine fan, fuck <laughs> state, but that doesn't mean you clean fucking house. 
No. It doesn't, you know, I don't kick you in the shin for your mortgage. These two things have nothing to do with each other, period. Now, if you want to fire the athletic director and do everything that they've, they've been doing, I understand that. But Larry Nasser wasn't, you know, taking stem cells from 14-year-old girls and injecting them into the football and basketball team at State. And to act like somehow that he has something to do with any of this is just, I don't know, it's beyond me. And, 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 it's, and, it, and it, once again, it just goes back to everything, it, it's, it's, it's political, it's... It's virtual mobism. Yes, everybody everything jumping bleeds into, over into it. the mobs. Yeah, and, oh my God, you gotta, everything has to apply to everything. You've got to, and, and people have to interject their agenda in absolutely everything. I'm not going to get into politics on this show, man. <laughs> but that's yeah, and it's you're you're absolutely right. And just get I mean, a grip on yourselves, people. You know, until you can I, until you can connect some direct dots. Leave the Nasser thing out of it. It's sports, man. It was one bad game, and if you want to try to connect the two, you're you're connecting shit that ain't there. I mean, all I, I, all I can say is this. If next year he makes a Sweet 16 or an Elite 8, those same people that were probably tweeting out, you know, fire Izzo, are going to be yeah. singing his praises. So, yep. You know. Well, you know, Michigan State losing, you know, we already said it. It's not the biggest upset. <laughs> there are so many upsets this year. It's redonkulous. People here are still dumbfounded. Well, people here are still dumbfounded that Wichita State lost to fucking Marshall. (laughs) Well, I'm surprised Marshall's plane didn't crash on the way to the game. I'm surprised they have cable in Kansas. Too soon? I told you. Chicken wire. (laughs) We got shit. We got shit working. Tin cans. Saying. You you want to watch porn? They got little midgets in inside of a empty TV to act out the scene for you. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, they do. That's truth. <laughs> I told you, man. Hey, you always got the fattest asses and tightest pussy midgets. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, yeah, anything else? Yeah, Xavier, tournament? Florida State. I, I mean, Cincinnati beaten by Nevada. What? The fu- that's as bad as Ch- Lola Chicago beating Tennessee. I'm sorry, Loyola. So th- oh. this whole season of this bracket doesn't make any sense. Fire everybody. <laughs> Hashtag fuck everybody. Fire everybody. Fire all the fucking coaches. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Virginia's coach is still sitting on the sideline going, what? Hey, Amen. All I know is that of us three that filled out a bracket, somehow I ended up in first, which goes to show you that you don't need to know shit about fucking college basketball to win a bracket, period, because I don't know shit. It's actually better if you don't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I didn't didn't go so uh, uh, superficial as, uh, they got the prettier uniforms, I'll pick them. You know, there's a little bit more to it than that, but not much. That's next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what what mascot would beat the other mascot? Wasn't that a Simpsons episode? Yes. Yeah. So that that's for two years down the road. See, that's my strategy, folks. Follow me to Vegas. It's good. Just hit the sports book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then so Houston baseball. beating Michigan. That was terrible. Oh. 
Here I thought we were done. No. <laughs> I'm just Houston saying. Beating Michigan. Houston beating Michigan. Houston didn't beat Michigan. What the fuck are you oh, talking yeah, about? Did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. Beat the shit out of Michigan. But, you know, three seconds, luck. You do understand how long the game runs, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Because that was part of the game, that last three seconds. I'm just saying. A lot of luck. Just saying. They were ahead at the end of the game. <laughs> they they won. They did. Yeah, they didn't get beat. <laughs> they're, oh, playing, they they're, play, they're playing. Uh, really? They're, uh, who, uh, this must be hey, a, a team of hey, phantoms that I'm going to watch on you, Thursday. You and night. Chris can go get married and have your stats later. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, just because on, you got a, a W in the win column doesn't mean you won. Yeah, <laughs> actually, the, the W stands for wins. <laughs> Hey, it does if mean you're you standing won. as the refs counting ten and the other guys knocked out, but you still look like you went through the grinder. You didn't actually win. Jesus Christ, did you vote for Hillary? <laughs> Absolutely not. Because <laughs> you understand how you know. Well, we got more votes. You understand how score is tabulated, correct? Uh, <laughs> at the end of the no. game, wins. <laughs> well, that's fine. And like I said, hey. you, you could you can have your W and your stats all you like. I'm just saying, doesn't mean you won. Sometimes, got your ass kicked. Sometimes okay, winning when you've gotten outplayed is part of the game. That is I part agree. Of, that is part of the game. I agree. But Earl, a couple years ago, Michigan-MSU football game, MSU won it. They never led that fucking game, not once. They won it on a fucked up fumble. Yeah, on, on what the fuckings. You're absolutely right. And it, Michigan still had to take that L, so... I, I mean, all I'm saying is just because there's a W in the column doesn't the mean you didn't get your ass whipped. No. <laughs> Technically, that's exactly what it means. Uh, okay. No, it's not. <laughs> what does W stand for? <laughs> it stands, what for is, stands for pass the popcorn. Does it stand for what? No, it stands for wins. <laughs> it, it stands for whooping. Wh- that's what it stands for whooping. Oh, viva Kansas. Viva yes. educational. So didn't you now? Never mind. See, this is calm down. This I got is, my education up there. This is your this is your this is your or your early and mid nineties rooting for the Blackhawks because because yeah. Belfort was on the team mentality right. coming out. They may lose the game, but they're gonna win the fights. So that's a win in my book. Well it's Houston got victory. Houston got a moral victory the other day then, I guess. Hey, you know what? You won the team, but Ed Belfour saved 51 out of 52 shots, goddammit. <laughs> and still lost the game, yeah. I, yeah, I remember. 95. We, we, let me guess, Earl, were you one of those people that when, when the Red Wings lost game four, you said, oh, that's because they want to win it at home? Oh, they absolutely was. Purpose. Absolutely See? was. Yeah. Tinfoil up. Tinfoil up, folks. <laughs> Hashtag get the tinfoil. Get the fuck out of here. These are professional athletes, man. You think they're going to fucking risk that shit? You know what, though? I woke everybody in my house up when Michigan won that game. Oh, God. All right. Even my dog came up and was like, what the fuck? Well, hey, man. I will say this. One other thing as far as that Michigan game goes. Whether they got outplayed or not, that's the kind of shot that We've all seen it. Something happens to a team, and something like that, something miraculous like that happens. And that's the thing that can propel a team to a championship. Actually, go back further than that, Todd. 
They were down by two with 3.6 seconds left, and Michigan fouled Houston. Houston yeah. comes down and misses both free throws. Yeah. And then with 3.6 seconds, they go the length of the court yeah. and make a wild what the fucking shot and goes in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that so, was so Michigan, shit. Michigan deftly outplayed them for the last 3.2 seconds. It's. <laughs> yeah, you hey, can't even hit your free throws. Come on, there's you know, that's, there a, is, that's the thing. That is the thing that separated uh, Michigan State and Syracuse because they were playing this tick tick tack you know free throw contest down down the stretch, and Syracuse hit their free throws. Houston didn't. So, and and Earl, there is a whole cottage industry on hating Christian Leitner. Oh, it all motherfucker! It all oh. started with that shot. Oh, I hate you know him. exactly what I'm talking about. So yeah. Oh my God, I hated that man. It's it. Uh, advance, who, survive, and advance. That's the name of the game in the tournament. That's exactly right. Who was that point guard, Duke? Was that Bobby Hurley? Am I remembering that name right? That they had a Duke had a point guard back uh, when they were going up against the the Fab Five. Oh who, shit! Who, who that sounds God? correct. I think it was Bobby Hurley. I hated that little son of a bitch so much. <laughs> If I saw him on the on the on the side of I seventy five, I'd have run him down. I swear to God, I hated him <laughs> so much. Duke was just good. Uh, he was good, but man, that's why I hated him. But Duke was one of those teams that were just. It seems like they were fucking recruited to play the villain to the rest of the NCAA back then. I'll look this it, up. I, if yeah, I'm going to look this up online. If you hear me like sort of sort of yelp like a little girl, it's Bobby Hurley that I'm looking at, and I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> He's, you're like Bernie Mac and Don't Be a Menace. I hate my gums because they black. <laughs> Let's see. Bobby Hurley. I hate the back of Forrest Whitaker's neck. <laughs> Most of all, I hate that black-ass Wesley Snipes. <laughs> oh, my God. He's still around. He's, he's the uh, head coach at uh, Arizona State, it looks like. That's him. That's the mother. All right. Yeah, yeah. He was number 11 for Duke. That, that's him. I'd let, oh, I'd take a nice pick to his temple. <laughs> but yeah, he sees the uh, head coach. Don't go back. Tell us how you really feel, man. <laughs> no, you're the one that brought up. You're the one that mentioned Christian Leitner, man. I uh, no, I brought up Christian Leitner. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he's the head coach. It looks like Arizona State now. He's a good ball player. He played in the NBA for a little while, didn't he? Um, like Sacramento or something like that. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Todd has left the podcast, and to sit in and replace him is Dexter Morgan. Okay, so tell us how you want to kidnap him <laughs> in your kill room. <laughs> Tie him up and do bad things. Oh, God. He just looks like a little rat. That's what it is. A little basketball playing rat. And that 11, he wore number 11. It looks like he's got two little sort of radioactive and engineered defective rat tails hanging out of his chest. I hate him. Wow. We, we all have our first, I guess. Apologies to deep, deep into the trench of the ocean of hate for Todd <laughs> <laughs> from Todd on this this show. Uh, I, apologies I didn't know to you. fans. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, they don't fuck them. They don't need any apologies. <laughs> they can they can pull down those national championship banners and dry their tears with that. Yeah, you know, you ever hear you hear that philosophy? Like, if you could go back in time, would you kill Adolf Hitler? That's how I feel about Bobby Hurley. I might. I might smother him in the crib. 
<laughs> Damn. Got some. <laughs> Mrs. Hurley, we're sorry. Uh, your, your child died of SIDS. By the way, I want to mention. At 45. I, yeah. <laughs> just in case uh, anybody's interested, if you go to uh, escapingthecave.com, I am still available for children's parties. Yes. <laughs> and he'll bring John Wayne Gacy so you'll have a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Only. <laughs> Only if you got some serious smelling salts and space heaters. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, yeah. And if I start talking to the tacos and calling it Bobby, you probably shouldn't eat any. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, co- coaching him uh, in college has gotten sick. Can we move the fuck on to baseball before I push everybody away from this podcast? <laughs> you know, right. I'm just saying, coaching, <laughs> coaching in college football has gotten sick. Do you guys know that Penny Hardaway is now the coach from Memphis? No, I didn't know that. Does he come yeah, with that Little just Penny? Recently happened. No. Does he come with Little Penny? I saw that the other day. Yeah, with Little Penny. Yeah. Gonna have a gonna have a cameo in No Diggity 2018. Yeah. Okay. Well, Avery Johnson is the coach of Alabama. Stop it. What the fuck did you think these guys were gonna do? They spend their entire life learning to put a ball through a hoop. You think they're going to... Well, Chris Weber's fucking timeout ass is sitting in a fucking booth talking about it. Do that. I'm picturing Bobby Hurley playing the Ned Beatty character in Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, squeal! 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 <laughs> oh, God. All right, so I, baseball. Yeah, I, didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to lean us down this ever, road. Shit. You're not ever going to invite me back here again, are you? <laughs> I think we could actually just make a show of naming players until we find someone you hate and then just let you go off for about two hours and that would probably be it. I got a few. <laughs> yeah, because well, no, we're not inviting you back. You keep insulting NASCAR. Turns to a snuff podcast. <laughs> well, Jesus, I wouldn't insult NASCAR if we just stick to sports. Uh, oh no! Interesting, interesting tidbit is that this is supposed to be so a sports running show. Running left is way better than turning left for you. Sorry, running left is way better than turning left for you. Yeah, it is. Oh, right. Yeah, just making sure. Okay, Inter- are, are you done interjecting ice? Did did the middle of my sentence interrupt the beginning of yours? Okay, interesting <laughs> tidbit. This is supposed to be a sports podcast. Who was it? Uh, Jamie Kennedy said that we were put on a list of like his top comedy podcasts or something. You guys were? Something like that. Holy shit, wait a minute. People actually listen to this? Ah. I know, right? (laughs) Holy crap. I wish you would have told me that before. I'd have been all serious and stuff. I'm sorry, I'm I, uh, Mr. Hurley, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's too late now, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember, I'm recording on my end. Chris is recording on his end. We got multiple sources. Yeah, but wait a minute. Uh, you know, I'm going to take back the deliverance comment. I'm thinking more down the line of misery. You know, where he's tied up on the bed and he's got that piece of wood between his ankles, and about maybe maybe a week before that, uh, the NCAA tournament in the mid '90s, you've got got the woman coming in with a sledgehammer, just taking the ankle out. Kathy Bates walks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian Leitner tied up in the basement. <sighs> <laughs> no, tie him up, put him in the corner, and make him watch. You're next. <laughs> oh God! So Grant Hill's running Wait. around screaming like a little girl. 
So how did this have Jamie Kennedy put you guys on a list as the top as one of the funniest podcasts? Did I hear that right? No, he just he put us on the Twitter list of comedy podcasts he likes. No, oh, but this was Jamie. Yeah, who, that, who knows if we're still on that list? Apparently, apparently we're a comedy sports podcast. I'll take it. Honestly, I had no idea you guys had listeners. <laughs> nah, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I probably should you, but you've been doing this for a while, but I never really, it never occurred to me. I thought I was just coming on to bullshit with you guys and a few people that listened. I didn't really understand. We're coming, up on, we're coming up on what, two years now, Chris? Yeah. Wow. Because it was, it was. Next show will be our two year mark, technically. Yeah. There you go. Think, so all yeah. five of you that listen and Jamie Kennedy, we appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep tuning escaping in. We'll keep. We'll, yep, yep. Get you. Go ahead. Escapingthecave.com, Mr. Kennedy. You're cordially invited. <laughs> yeah, keep tuning in. We'll keep. And, and we'll keep putting out lukewarm fucking content. And like by the way, right now, if you are listening, Jamie Kennedy, will you tell Bill Maher to quit rooting me off, please? I swear to God, the guy <laughs> listens to my show and then takes it like waits two weeks and puts it on his. Been happening for years. I've been talking about it. It's a fact. I think it's traceable. It, we, we've it, it, we got the same impression on Unregimented. It's like, weren't we talking about this a week ago, two weeks ago? Like, is it just that? <laughs> weird. Is anyway. it just that our yeah, fingers the, on the, the station that used to be known for sports, ESPN, rips our sportsy podcast off all the fucking time. <sighs> well, anyway, almost says right. our shit. Trendsetters, people. Like, That's what we're getting at. Right. We're, we're, we're so hipster, we haven't even done it because we don't even want to do it yet. That's how hipster we are. All right, so baseball, where do we want to start? We were headed we into start? the uh, 2017 Tigers, I think, when uh, you guys started talking about basketball, and I jerked us off with uh, Bob, jerked us off track, sorry, <laughs> with uh, Bobby Hurley. So, 2017 Tigers, right? Or you mean 2018? Last year? Yes, let's talk about last year. <laughs> Sorry, 2018 <laughs> Tigers. <laughs> I, yeah. No, for a minute, I thought you were being serious. Like, there's nothing to talk about this year, and that was just your way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> and now, we were talking about, I, I think we were talking about the, because uh, I had mentioned uh, Pete Cavalli and Rob Deer, and Chris had said something about it being the Dark Ages, and uh, I think I commented that uh, the, the Dark Ages have, have returned to Comerica Canyon once again. Hey, Todd, let me ask you Bobby this. Bobby Higginson, that, 2.0. If you want to say uh, the Dark Ages, it's, it's kind of like the Dark Ages of the MLB, isn't it? Because a lot of people are talking about you know free agents not getting signed and shit. Well, there's only yeah, one left. There's only one left. Alex Cobb uh, signed with the uh, Orioles today. He got a four-year deal somehow. I don't know how. Uh, so the only one, the only significant free agent that I'm aware of that's still out there is Greg Holland. Uh, he was a closer for the Rockies last year, had a bounce back year after, I think, a torn ACL. So he's pretty much the only guy that's out there. And there's two ways of looking at this. You can go back to uh, the late 80s, Jack Morris, and I think, uh, I don't know if Lance Parrish was involved with the collusion case, but Jack Morris definitely was in the late 80s. So a lot of people are saying that there's some sort of a conspiracy among ownership to push player salaries down. There's also a train of thought that people are looking at next year. And it's going to be a historic free agent class next year. Uh, Bryce Harper becomes a free agent unless he signs an extension. Manny Machado, uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw could feasibly out uh, get out of his contract with the Dodgers. So a lot of people think that people are just sort of, you know, the teams are just, they're sitting on their wallets until next year. Clayton uh, Kershaw needs to bring his ass to Detroit and hang out with Matt Stafford again. They're best friends. 
And you need to f- try to find a unicorn to ride if you think Clayton Kershaw has ever come to Detroit. Damn it. Because now, <laughs> now those, days are, those days of signing free agents, uh, are, 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 they've come to a crashing halt. Uh, that's not going to be happening. In fact, if you are a Detroit Tigers fan, I would not get too attached to Michael Fulmer. Best pitcher on the team, probably next to Miggy, and uh, well, he's gone. So next to Miggy, uh, probably the best player on the team at this point, and he's also their most valuable commodity. He's probably going to be due a big, big, big raise by the time that team's ready to contend again. They are going to trade that guy, and they're probably going to do it sooner than later, considering they don't want to risk him hurting himself and damaging his value. I'll be very surprised if he is still a Tiger in August. Now we got to ship him to New York so he can win the title. Jesus, fuck, dude. You're, okay, that's a hell of a way to start the, the, the Tiger talk. That's a it's scary not bad. fucking thought. No, it's not. It's not. Because it, it actually, in this day and age, it makes good sense long term. Because he is going to bring a king's ransom in uh, prospects. The, you, you have to look at what you, you have to look at what the White Sox have done. They had Chris Sale, they had Todd Frazier, and I'm forgetting some other somebody else that they they traded. But they stockpiled these blue chip uh, prospects. They got Yohan Makata, I think, in the uh, Chris Sale deal. Number one, he was the number one prospect in baseball uh, once upon a time. That's how the Cubs did it as well. They started stockpiling talent in the minor leagues. They got rid of the people who were going to be expensive, that had value, that were controllable and traded them off, rebuilt their farm system, cut payroll, and the one player that the Tigers have that can do that and actually bring something significant back, I mean, I mean, we're talking huge return, is Michael Fulmer. He's a, he's a potential Cy Young winner, but he's also going into his third year. It means he's only got three years uh, before he hits free agency. Tigers aren't going to want to spend that kind of money when that, that point in time comes. They're not going to be ready, probably ready to contend yet. I guess the reason it to me it's scary is because I don't know if I have that much faith in the Tigers' ability to develop players through their farm system because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they don't have the best track record in the last 15 years of homegrown talent. I mean, well, that's not that's not exactly fair because uh, the last 15 years. Sorry to cut you off, but there's a couple of couple of different things you have to look at. Uh, You're going to really. do you know who Eugenio Suarez is? He just signed yeah, a seven-year deal. He's a third baseman for the Cincinnati Reds. He just signed a seven-year extension with them, hit 25 home runs. That's a Tiger product. He, came, he went to Cincinnati in this inexplicable Alfredo Simon deal. I'm sure you remember Alfredo Simon. The waste oh, yeah. of space he was in the uh, Tiger rotation, then the bullpen, then nowhere. That's who they traded for him was Eugenio Suarez. Suarez has turned into a very, very good ball player. In Cincinnati. Uh, who's the guy? Her- Hernan Perez. You remember him? Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, util- Andrew they Miller. Done it. Andrew Miller. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there's mean, another they, guy, Willie they Adamas. Didn't have, they didn't, but once again, uh, is it was it their short-sightedness? Because they, I remember they were trying to push him as a starter, and coming out of the bullpen, he's fucking, he, you know, that seems like that's the position he excelled at. Why didn't we see that? Because Well, you know no, it, it took... It took him a few years to develop. I mean, he was down, and uh, they traded him to Florida. the Marlins. Yeah, they yeah. traded him to the Marlins. He didn't do really too much down there. He, he's always been a guy who had electric stuff. No, his stuff was never in question. He, he was a guy who couldn't hit the strike zone. He couldn't control his stuff. He had no command of anything while he was a starter. And he, it, it took him a few years, even after the trade, 
but something clicked. Something finally, I think he was either, I think he was in Boston. Boston put him in the bullpen, and something with his mechanics clicked. And all of a sudden, that slider became one of the best pitches in baseball. The Tigers, I mean, they, that was a good draft pick, obviously. But it, it wasn't so much the development as something that, that he had to figure out on his own and be able to internalize how to hit the strike zone, hit his spots, and command his slider and his fastball. So, I mean, you're never going to take that trade back anyway. I mean, Andrew Miller for Miguel Cabrera. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, Cameron Maben and a few other guys. I mean, it wasn't a bad trade either way. Yeah, but I mean, even 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 throwing in fucking, uh, yeah. uh, oh, shit, I just forgot his name. The pitcher we picked up, left-hander, Dontrell Willis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I <laughs> yeah. mean, it, it, yeah. it, even with him on there, you're not gonna you're not gonna go. Oh, I wouldn't make that trade. It's it's, it's no. I no. I have to, I agree. My concern is just I don't. Well, Nick, Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos had a had a hell of a year last year, and he his numbers. And this is where I, I the eyeball test and the analytics actually sort of match up. This is one player where it does because watching him last year, he was hitting the shit out of the ball. He was hitting it right at people. He was hitting into bad luck a lot. The 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 metrics sort of back that up. He's a he's a Tiger draft pick. He is a, a guy that they 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 drafted, they developed, and he's turning in to he, he may not be able to catch the ball very well, but he's one hell of a hitter. He's primed for a breakout year. I mean, he had a breakout year last year. He's primed for another one this year. Now, we've got a guy down in uh, Tampa Bay now, Willie Adamas. He went to Tampa Bay in the David Price deal. Uh, I think in 2012 or 2013, whatever whatever year it was, about four or five years ago, he was a he was a rookie level rookie league uh, shortstop at the time. Tampa Bay wanted him, and people were saying, "Boy, he this is the the Tigers may regret giving this guy. The Tigers are going to regret giving this guy up." If you look at what he's been doing in spring training, he's a top. Uh, he may be a top ten. MLB prospect. I mean, throughout MLB, he he he's either in the top ten or the top twenty-five. I can't remember exactly, but he's he's going to be a really good one. So to say the Tigers don't know, they're not developing their own talent. It's not really fair because they had Dave Dombrowski at the helm of the team in this win-now mode. Who everybody that they had in their farm system that was going to turn into a good player, he was peddling off for years and years. I mean, this Eugenio Suarez kid. I'm telling you. He, 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 he looked really good. He looked like he had promise. He looked like he had a lot of talent while he was in Detroit. He was a good ball player in Detroit. But they, they, they got rid of him because they thought they needed another major league ready pitcher. And it was, a, it was just a boner of a trade. Alfredo Simon never did anything. And now they've got a, you know, a decade's worth of third base and shortstop being played in Cincinnati with a guy that was sent there. So the Tigers, I mean, they, they, they've been okay. They've drafted really well with their pitching. I think the last few years they've got, they basically have the next rotation set up in the minor leagues, provided no one gets hurt and provided they, you know, continue to develop. Uh, but they're not there yet. And uh, they got the number one draft pick coming this year, uh, number one overall. So that should help. Should be able to get a superstar out of that or at least a, a very good everyday player for several years. And then they've got this Michael Fulmer kid that can bring back a whole hell of a lot more. So but, I, I guess my, my question is, what is the model they're, they're basing this rebuild on? It's it's the Cubs and the White Sox kinda, but I mean it's not. Um, nothing's ever you, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna have a, a direct comparison because the financials are different. You know they couldn't get anything for Ian Kinsler. Ian Kinsler had a no trade clause. He was uh, uh, he's getting older. He had an off year, and he was gonna only go 
he had and plus he had one more year in his contract so he was going to hold the, he held all the leverage over the winter time so people are always complaining well why the hell didn't you get more for Ian Kinsler well nobody was going to give him any more than that because he he had, he had maybe two or three teams that he was willing to be traded to right he had an off year and his contract was going to be up next year anyway right so why would a team you know give up blue chip prospects for somebody like that Justin Upton uh, basically just left and J.D. Martinez was the same thing. You know, the, the, the market at the end of the year last year for power-hitting bats wasn't, it, was just, it just wasn't there. You know? so so it's, is that why uh, we got a bag of baseballs for him? Yeah, we did all right. The, I think Dewell Lugo, I think, is uh, one of the guys that came over. He's a uh, shortstop second baseman. He, he could be a pretty good player. Uh, but again, it's, it's sort of a crapshoot with these guys. I mean, they, they got some value for him, um, but it wasn't ever going to be... You know, like you, I, I think what a lot of people expected for for a bat like that, just simply because of the the, the contract situation. See, I just to me, in my mind, I remember so fucking vividly the Sports Illustrated article in 2014 about the Houston Astros, and they yeah. said we're building for 2017. Yeah, and sure as fuck, man, they called their shot, yeah. and I'm just like. What <clears throat> that just doesn't seem to happen with the Tigers, and I mean, you know, you got uh, uh, you know the Golden Boy. Um, oh shit! Just forgot his name. General Manager of the Cubs he used to be the Red Sox general manager. No, Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got the Golden Boy, and that's like you know everybody's. Oh, that's that's how you, that's the type of GM you want, really? Because I'll take what the fuck. They did in Houston and suffer through three years of shit baseball. Do you not remember what the Cubs went through before they started winning? They were terrible for five years. Terrible. They, they, the, 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 the Astros, if anything, emulated the Cubs. That's, that was going to be my next question. Who, yeah. who were the Astros? Yeah. Who were the Astros basing their rebuild on? The so Epstein. You, okay. You. So, so yeah. once again, it goes back to the golden boy. Yeah. He's he's the he's the, the 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 archetype of the type of general manager you want these days. That's a Hall of Famer right there. You watch. Yeah, that's another one. That's another one. The ex-wife was a fan of. I'm like, he don't even play, but he's cute. <laughs> I'm like, oh Jesus God. He is a handsome he, man. <laughs> I'm secure enough of my sexuality to say if we were in prison, he'd be on bottom. I'm I'm perfectly <laughs> fine saying that. Um, no, I did want to I, I did want to bring up something and get your opinion on it because it's something that we've touched on a few times before. And you kind of open the door with it. Okay, so you had Ian Kinsler basically, you know, okay to trade to Los Angeles. The, yeah. the, the, the rumor, the rumors that were going around here locally was that because his buddy Justin Upton's out there, and yeah. that was that. Now, staying with the, with the Angels, what the fuck is going on with Mike Trout not being the face of Major League Baseball? Is it because he's out on the West Coast? Yeah, he plays for the Angels. Gives a shit about the Angels. Nobody cares about the Angels. Nobody's ever cared about the Angels. What what iconic player can you think of that's ever been a California Angel outside of Nolan Ryan? And you think of Nolan Ryan probably as an Astro or a Ranger. Yeah, that's true. Um, Reggie Jackson at the end of his career when he was hanging on. That's about yeah, it. Was, the only reason you think of that is probably because of the naked gun. Isn't Pujols <laughs> out there? 
Yeah, but no, it, it, he still doesn't have the uh, the gravitas he had when he was in St. Louis. I mean, part of that's because he's not performing like he did in St. Louis. Okay. Oh, you mean he quit juicing and went out there? Yeah, I got hurt. He wasn't. He he was. Nobody's ever well, tied him to steroids. But he St. Louis, he, you, you have some gravitas there because they're the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, California is my one of my least favorite teams simple, simply because it, I think it is. I think you're absolutely right. It's an injustice to Mike Trout and, and his greatness to be playing for that team. He should be playing in New York. He should be playing in Los Angeles for the, for the Dodgers or for the Cubs or for the Cardinals or somebody like that because if he, you're right. You're absolutely right. If he was anywhere else uh, but the Angels or, you know, I don't know, like Seattle. If he was there, it'd be the same thing. He's going to be a good player. People will know his name, but he's not going to be that iconic face of baseball unless he's playing in the right market. And the Angels just, they don't invoke anything other than, uh, they never have. Oh, you, you weren't a believer in the 2002 Rally Monkey Bunch? I fucking hated that team. <laughs> I would have burnt that Rally Monkey with Bobby Hurley. <laughs> Bobby Hurley, I'm going to beat a motherfucker with another motherfucker. <laughs> so no, not for fire, man. Let it go. Just let it go. Jesus. Uh, you blame Rich. He's the one that mentioned Leitner, and I always associate the two. This is your fault, Rich. Thing. Hey, you're, you, if you have always a listen to the podcast, Todd, you don't know this, but you, you hate, it's hard to do, but you hate Hurley more than I hate James. Yeah, he hates LeBron James pretty bad, dude. <laughs> yeah. I've still, I've still got this picture of Bobby Hurley up here. I'm looking at it, and I'm just uh, anyway. No, I, the Angels are they, brought up Google Maps to try to get to him, dude. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it takes me through Kansas. No, I mean the Angels are are sort of like the Padres. I mean uh, San Diego. Yeah, if you think about like uh, Tony Gwynn, you know how awesome and how iconic. Would his uh, place, I mean, he's still got a, a really significant place in baseball history, but if you had put him in Chicago or you had put him uh, with the Dodgers, or again, I always come back to St. Louis, even in Detroit or New York, Boston, I mean, you're talking his, uh, his reach, I guess, his brand would have reached a whole hell of a lot further than it did playing for the Padres. Mm-hmm. There are just certain teams that don't, I mean, if you're attached to them, if your brand and your name and your game is attached to certain teams, you just don't have the elevation uh, that you would play over others. And I think that's exactly what's going on with the Angels. I mean, he is, Mike Trout is, he probably, more than likely, is going to go down as our generational player. But it doesn't feel that way because he's toiling away in this wasteland out in Anaheim. He should be, you know, I, I, I really hope, for baseball's sake, for his sake, that when his contract, he signed an extension. I, I don't, he, he's going to be in, in Los Angeles uh, for quite a while, unless they trade him. But I hope to God he goes somewhere else while he's still uh, in his prime. Because I think he would be, yeah, he's, he's, he's a little Mickey Mantle. But it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard many different reasons given. One, like you said, it's the Angels. Who gives a fuck about the Angels unless you're an Angel fan? Two, it's because he's on the West Coast. And... Nah. Nah. There's an East Coast bias with ESPN, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, these are all theories that I've heard thrown out there, and I'm just like, well, explain I, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, Clayton Kershaw is thought of the best as the best pitcher in baseball. He plays twenty, thirty miles up the coast. I'm just saying, dude, he has a hell of a sinker. Yeah, but I mean, that boy he, slider is just it. That's it's unfair. There's no Seriously. bias, but there's no bias against him because he plays on the West Coast. It's something to do with the organization. It's something to do with the teams. 
outside of the Dodgers and the Giants. Gotcha. Oh, I mean, Todd fucking, Hill. Hmm? Sorry. I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, Mike Sosha's made a fucking career out there being their manager. He's a good He's manager. Been their manager for for fuck God, what? It's got to be going on twenty years now, right? Yeah, I think two thousand one, two thousand something like that. A long time. I think he may be the longest tenured manager. I think he. I don't even think it's close. Maybe Bochi is next. Yeah, yeah, two thousand. Yep. So I mean, he's yeah, he's coming up on twenty years, man. That's yeah. In 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 today's Major League Baseball, that's rather rather rare. Let's just put well, it that way. Yeah, Leland was in Detroit for eight years, and it seemed like that was a long time. I mean, it's half as long as Sochi's been been out in L.A. Less than half. So. Yeah, Tab, but could you think of a better slider right now? I mean, seriously. Slider? Yeah. Uh, than Clayton? Really? Yeah, Andrew Miller. You think? Yeah. Andrew Miller's a two-pitch pitcher because of that slider. Kershaw's got a curveball. Kershaw's, he's got better command than Miller. But yeah, I would take uh, Andrew Miller's slider over Kershaw's, but I'd take Kershaw over Andrew Miller any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, if you're talking one pitch, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there are better sliders, but uh, the thing with Kershaw is he can control it, and he can control three or four pitches at the same time. Now you're going to have me watch a video of Andrew Miller. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so. it, wait, way to do your research for the podcast, Earl. Keep it up. Thanks for listening too. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> you dude, donate? I showed you. I showed you guys the video of Clayton Kershaw's slider, dude. It's it's unfair. Oh, it's sick. But his curveball is better than his slider. That that twelve six curveball he throws when he's on with that thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, get back to the Tigers though. I, since I I assume most I don't know where your listeners are. I, I swear to God, I didn't know you had listeners. <laughs> but uh, nice. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm glad you do. I'm, I just I I wish I'd had that in my head before I started babbling on about Bobby Hurley. Um, <laughs> Going back to the Tigers, though, I mean they, they've got a they they they're probably on a three on a three to five year plan, and Michael Fulmer does not fit into that. As good as he is, he is the one guy that's going to push this rebuild into high gear, and it's going to be done by trading him, and it's going to happen sooner than later because I, I think after what happened last year with the he had some sort of I think a nerve transplant surgery I forget the name of it but nothing to do with his his. Uh, uh, UCL or anything like Tommy John surgery, but he had to have a, a nerve move because his arm was going numb. That's sort of a red flag kind of thing. It's like, oh, okay. Even you know, even if it's not the UCL and it's nothing to do with Tommy John, it's just one of those little things that you get him out of the gate and you get him off to a good start. Maybe get him toward the All Star game mid season, and there's going to be a team out there who's on the brink of contention or like last year with the Astros wants a stud that's going to push them over the top, and they are going to give a king's fucking ransom in prospects for that guy. That's how you get a top five overall prospect, is having someone like Michael Fulmer, who's controllable for another three or four years. And expect it to happen. I swear to God, if you are a Tiger fan, and you're thinking that that Fulmer's going to be your guy for the next ten years, uh -uh. well, then let let me ask your opinion on this, because this was... (laughs) <laughs> a minor controversy for a team that a lot of people just have jumped off the bandwagon, but it was it, it was the only reason anybody was talking about the Tigers during the last week or so around here. Uh, him not getting the opening day start. There's <laughs> I already don't people understand fucking, that. <laughs> uh, there's there's already people you know well fuck it, what the what the fuck's Garden Hire smoking? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it, is it business into his crack pipe hot to the touch? Yeah, people were hashtag fire Leland, right, Chris? A few years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I, I, I kind of understand. I'm going to give Every Ron time. Gardenhire. I'm going to give Ron Gardenhire the benefit of the doubt. He is a good manager. He knows what the fuck he's doing. He hasn't managed a game yet in Detroit. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. And, and Fulmer, er, sorry, Zimmerman has a huge contract. He was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. He earned that contract when he was with the Nationals a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the top probably five to eight pitchers in the game not that long ago before he got injured. And if you think back to the first year he was a Tiger, he was the pitcher of the month in April. And he was fucking phenomenal. Then he got hurt. Now, he may be healthy. And if he is healthy, and I hate to bring the finances into it, but with the money he's making, he needs to be the ace of this team. And he needs to be given every opportunity to be the ace of this team because if he is healthy and he can come out and he can produce from April, May, and part of June, again, you've got a huge trade chip at the trade deadline. So give him every opportunity to be the ace because then you can market an ace with an ace's contract to other teams come the trade deadline. You can unload that contract because, again, just like Fulmer, he's not part of the rebuild. He's... Basically, his contract is ballast. So they have to give him every opportunity to make that contract worth, or that player worth that contract to another team so that they can unload it. So why not give him the opening day start? That's the only thing I can think of. Because if it's me, and you're just going on merit, Michael Fulmer starts an opening day every day for me. But... Yeah, that, that, was, that was basically the argument that a lot of people were saying. is like he's earned the right to, to, to be the opening day starter, but it's like... You know, I didn't even really stop and think about it. I, who knows what the fuck is going on at the top level of that team as far as, okay, look, like you said, I didn't even take this into consideration. Them trading Fulmer sooner rather than later that way, because if he hurts himself, fuck it, we're screwed. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even, I didn't even think about it that way. So Sell high. Exactly. So I, I just, there you go. There's and a, they don't have a they don't have a lot of a lot of other uh, chips for down that line. I mean, uh, Jose, Jose Iglesias is in his walk here. <laughs> you talk about getting a bag of baseballs. You're not going to get shit for him. He's a light hitting, big glove shortstop. Uh, he'll be gone by the trade deadline. I don't think there's any question about that. But you're not going to get anything back for him. You've got Castellanos, but Castellanos, I think his uh, he may have two more years this year and next year left. Uh, controllability wise so he pretty much has to be gone I would think by the trade deadline this year but there again he's a guy he's a DH kind of guy who cannot play third base and he's a worse right fielder than JD Martinez so what are you going to get for a guy that can just hit he's got to be traded to an American League club I would think so he can DH how many just sheer DH slots are out there you're going to run into a, a scenario like you ran into with JD Martinez last year you're not going to get nearly as much for him as you probably should. What other players are there beyond that to get to jumpstart the rebuild via trade? You've got Zimmerman. You give him an opportunity to start opening day. Give him an opportunity to be the ace. You've got Fulmer as your blue chip prospect. And then uh, probably Castellanos. Beyond that, the, the, the cupboard's a bear, man. Well, according to the organization, Castellanos isn't going anywhere. They're going to move him over to first, and they're going to move fucking Miggy to DH. That's a load of shit. They sat there and they uh, tried to uh, negotiate an extension with Castellanos over the winter. Castellanos wanted nothing to do with him. He's uh, represented by Scott Boris, I think. Oh, God. Yeah, he, he ain't staying in Detroit. 
You might want to double check that. I'm almost 100% sure he's a Boris client. If he is, he does the Boris doesn't do uh, extensions. He, they, they always go to free agency. And if Castellanos goes to free agency, he will not be a Tiger. The GM, Avila, knows that. Therefore, he will be traded if he has to, even if he has to, uh, I don't know, uh, trade him for back, trade him to the White Sox for Bruce Rondon. Somebody will, he's going to be traded for something the best deal they can get. See, this is. This is this is why it's like it's frustrating as a fan. Just as a fan, whether I did this show or not, it's like you don't know what's fucking bullshit and what, what's what's real coming out of these you know out of the organization's yeah. mouth anymore. And yeah. I feel I, you know it, we in Michigan, not just necessarily sports fans, but we've heard the in five years you're going to be blown away line from <laughs> politicians to the Lions. To what's going on with the Red Wings now? It doesn't matter, and it's it, it never. We're never blown away, and so I'm just like, am, am I getting my hopes up for nothing? Look, we've been we've been. I'm a tie. I'm a Tiger fan. I haven't lived in Michigan for 14 years before now, but I've always been a Tiger fan. I always had the MLB.tv thing so I could watch the fucking Tigers every night. Okay, I'm a big Tigers fan, and Tigers fans have been spoiled since 2006. They've been spending way, way, way over their market size for a really, really long time. The corrective measures and the corrective actions were always going to come. Always. You don't give Justin Verlander that contract without repercussions. You don't sign Miguel Cabrera to that contract without some sort of repercussions in this economic market, in this baseball size market. You just can't. You've got to, at some point, it was always going to happen. They were always going to have to basically take the trash out at some point and start to rebuild. And the way the economics and the free agency works <clears throat> anymore is that you have got to get young, controllable, good, young, controllable talent that you can afford and hopefully build a contending window around that talent. That's when you go out and you grab the little pieces like Houston did last year, went out and got Verlander uh, and maybe a couple other people, but they had that young core, that young nucleus of players, of talent that was affordable and that was basically at, at, at the at the peak of their career where they can make a run at the World Series. Now, you look at Houston in five years, that team's going to look completely different. They signed Altuve. I think they signed him to a five-year extension, $150 million or something like that this week. But the $30 rest of million team, a year. Yeah, the rest of that team's not going to be there in five years. You know, the, Justin Verlander has this year and next year. Then he's a free agent. You think Houston's going to be bringing him back? I when you've got George it. Springer, you've got, uh, who else? You've got Carlos Correa. You've got to think about, eventually, Bregman. Is a really good third baseman, really good third baseman. He's going to be, you know, do a pay raise at some point. So Houston's not going to be able to bring Verlander back. That's just the economics of it. So Detroit has had to, they've had to kind of reset everything. Dombrowski left. You know, they basically were writing these checks that were the putting everything on a credit card that's going to come due. Well, it's due now. So you've got to you've got to scrape and rebuild, and you've got to you've got to use the Cubs. You've got to use the Astros. The White Sox are doing the same thing. Uh, the only team that's not is Boston. Well, it, just to backtrack for a sec, the one thing that I don't know, I don't know how factual this is, but I do know that Verlander is a huge Nolan Ryan fan. And yeah. Nolan Ryan is attached to the Houston Astros yeah. as an executive advisor and, and, and all this shit. If yeah. they wanted him, would, would that be enough to, to make him go, fuck it? You know what I'm saying? This is the guy I want to pattern my career after. He's made no bones about it. He said it in the press. He wants to play as long as Ryan did. I don't know if that's possible in today's today's game. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know uh, because that was a couple of the knocks against him in the 
his later Tiger years was, is he going to be durable? Do we still yeah. want this guy on the team? You know, gonna, it was like I'm going to invoke Chris here. Uh, this little baseball group we were in a couple of years ago, and one thing you don't ever do is doubt Justin Verlander. I'm going to tell you that right now. I, I was saying this to my horn a little bit a few years ago after he was coming off the hernia surgery, that if anybody can do anything as far as getting back to the level he was at, I said it was going to be Justin Verlander. If he wants to play, pitch until he's 45 and he wants to <laughs> pattern himself after Nolan Ryan, he's the one guy that I'm going to be like, you know what? I don't doubt it. I never, most people never thought Verlander would get back to the level he's at after the hernia surgery. You know, he had three down years. He never, ever, really, uh, after that surgery, he never got healthy again until maybe the last year or so. And he worked hard at it. He learned how to pitch instead of just throwing 100 miles an hour. I mean, he's got enough in his tank, and he's, he's wily enough, and he has enough uh, pitching IQ. Not just throwing, not just physically throwing the ball, but he knows how to pitch enough where he could pitch into his uh, low to mid 40s. I, I don't ever doubt that man. He's the one guy in baseball that I'm like, <clears throat> all right. The guy always, <laughs> I don't remember when it was. Maybe, I think it was last year, maybe in April or May. He was kind of struggling a little bit. He was, he, was, he was really inconsistent. And he sent out a tweet. I remember seeing it. It says, I'm really close to dominating again. A lot of people sat there and rolled their eyes at, oh, yeah, whatever. And it was like a switch went off, and, and he was the old Verlander again. Well, I absolutely uh, remember all the fucking... Yeah. The memes and the and the post about you know <laughs> pictures of Verlander and people you know superimpose you know everybody chill the fuck out I got this and, yeah. you know any, anytime Tigers were in the playoffs and his spot in the rotation came up and I I'm with you I mean I don't doubt him but I mean playing the 45 that's a lot of fucking pitches on your arm and I mean people yeah it is it is and, and that's that's the that would be the thing I think would put the biggest roadblock in his, if that's his goal. If he was being if he was being serious and he still has that goal to pitch as long as Ryan did, I would say his health would probably be his biggest roadblock. Well, because, the only the, good. Well, I was just gonna say because I I'm with you. You know, yeah, when he come out, he was throwing fucking fire when he was younger, but he's learned the art of pitching. Yep. You can you can you can even a casual fan you can look at games from you know the mid two thousands. And games from last year, and see the difference in them. Yeah, yeah, and he he still he still got it in his tank. I mean, he hit ninety eight a couple of times last year. You know, he still got that in his tank. He doesn't throw, uh, you know, with this this balls to the wall eighteen year old testosterone level effort anymore. And uh, the thing, the thing with him is he's 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 never really really ever been hurt other than the core issue. He had some shoulder problems that he attributed to <laughs> tweaking his mechanics because of the bad core, but he's never had arm problems. He hasn't really ever missed that many starts. He's never missed a start due to arm trouble. So he's going to be, I think he's 34, 35 this year. He's never had any arm problems. He's a, a, a fitness nut. He knows how to pitch. That injury may, if he wants to pitch until he's in his low to mid 40s, that injury may be his best asset because he had to go out and he had to learn to pitch without 98 in his pocket. So when you get into your low 40s and you already know how to do that, and you put a few more years' experience in your in your in your uh, in your back pocket too. Yeah, I can see him doing it. You know, Dallas Keuchel doesn't throw ninety eight, and he gets by just fine. You know, I think I think that uh, again, I always come back to this. You do not ever doubt Justin Verlander. 
If you if he says he wants to do something, pretty good pretty good chance he's going to do it. He wants to pitch at least forty five. I'll bet you he finds a way to do it. I, I sorry, I'm just like <clears throat> I'm picturing him sitting in the clubhouse like in two thousand eight, flipping through a fucking swimsuit issue, going, "Who's this? I'm gonna fuck her." And it turns out to be Kate Upton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna you know make they, it happen. Watch. You, you, yeah, I remember that uh, he it was he had the uh, the breakout year in, in 2011, and then he did a video game co- commercial, I think, in 2012 with her, and I think that's where they met. I remember that commercial though. Oh yeah, the 2K, had, the 2K12. Uh, I had that for Xbox. Yeah. yeah. The, the only the only shitty baseball game you could get on Xbox back then. <laughs> yeah. No, but okay, it's well, really. I was really sad, to, you know, to see him go to leave Detroit. Uh, obviously, uh, and he's the only reason I was rooting for the Astros. If it weren't for the Astros uh, or weren't for him, uh, I would have been rooting for the for the Dodgers the the entire the entire time. Well, they wouldn't have been there anyway without him. So I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, it's it's really sad that he had to leave Detroit. But I understand it. I mean, this is this is the credit card payment coming due from the Dabrowski era, and. Um, yeah, you got to move forward. You got to you got to uh, collect all the young talent you can, the best young talent you can, and hope some of them pan out. And when you get close, then you start to bring in a few of the free agents, make a couple of trades, and uh, hopefully you make a run again. That's the model now. Uh, that's what the Cubs did. That's what the the Astros did. That's what the White Sox are working towards. You talk about a team that uh, is going to be dominant in a couple of years. You watch those White Sox. Boy, they have. <laughs> And you've got some little Maseratis in the garage that nobody's looking at yet. Gotcha. Um, I, all right, I want to kind of jump to another team here. Uh, as always, the evil empire, Yankees. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Is, is Aaron Judge the real fucking deal? Is this... Is this- he is, and I'm going to tell you why. Tell you exactly why. Game, baseball is a game of adjustments, right? Heard that cliche a million times. If you watch the playoffs last year, he was getting schooled for a little while. He was striking out every time he came to the plate. Uh, couldn't lay off pitches in the dirt, blah, 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 swinging the balls out of the strike zone. Something clicked, and he started laying off pitches and immediately started hitting the snot out of the ball again because he was laying off these pitches he was swinging at that he could never put the bat on. You know, that's part of the, you know, strike zone management, knowing the strike zone, laying off pitches that, laying off pitchers' pitches, not getting yourself out as part of hitting. And I watched him do that in the playoffs last year. He also went through a stretch, I think, in August of last year, maybe July, where he fell off the table for a little while until he made the adjustment again. You know, that's exactly. the thing. That's, that's what, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. Yeah, his post, his post All-Star game slump. And then, because yeah. we, we talked about it, I'm like, you know, a lot of guys, yeah, they're hot for a minute, but the minute pitchers get enough, you know, tape on you, yeah. they can they can they can find your you know your weak spot. You have to adjust to it. And there's so many guys that look like they're going to fuck. I mean, here in Detroit, we went through it in what 2006 with Chris Shelton. Shelton, I was just thinking that. That's exactly what I was thinking. And Brennan Bosch, you know, yeah, he yeah. came out. Bre- Bre- Brennan the Barbarian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the pitchers found a hole in their swing, found a place that they could not get the bat to, and those guys could not make the adjustment. And major league pitchers, boy, if you've got that sort of a glaring hole in your swing, they're brutal. They're going to send you home if you can't adjust and you can't hit it. Aaron Judge can. Well, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, so I, I, you know, I once again, just as we were talking about Mike Trout, and if he played in New York, he would be a, a much bigger deal than playing in, in L.A. If Aaron Aaron Judge was anyplace else, 
would he be as big of a deal? He was a, well, hmm, depends on where. You know, Mike Stanton was pretty, or sorry, Giancarlo uh, was a pretty big deal down <laughs> in Miami. Um, you know, and now he's going to be a bigger deal because he's in New York. I mean, you put, yeah, Aaron Judge, you put him in Kansas City. Yeah, he's, he's kind of, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of another, uh, another example, another player that, uh, well, let's look at it this way. Robinson Cano, who was a big deal while, while he was in New York. And suddenly he's sort of an afterthought now because he's playing up there in Seattle. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is. It, market matters. It really does. You don't see Cano's face all over the place like he did when he was a Yankee. And I think if you put, you know, um, you put Aaron Judge in Cincinnati, again, with that little ballpark, <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll probably still be a big stud because he's going to be hitting 60 instead of 50 in, in Cincinnati. But no, you put him in uh, Colorado. No, he's not going to be the same. Well, you brought up big as Larry Walker was. Yeah, yeah. Well, you brought up Stanton, and that was that was the next person I was going to say on their their squad this year. I mean, I to be honest with you, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. He played for the Marlins, so it's kind of like, yeah, I know he's down there, I know what he's doing, but the Marlins don't get Sunday night baseball all that all that often, you know. No. And, and and unless you want to watch a Marlins game. And seek it out to watch it. You're not going to see him by accident most of the time. So, yeah, I really don't know him on a day to day basis. Is he the type of player that's going to wilt in the spotlight in New York? <laughs> I don't think so. Nah, nah. He's uh, he's the, he's the shit, man. He uh, I I you know again I haven't given him a psychological test and I've never sat there and talked to him. But uh, you know I think a lot of things if you want to look at it. And I, I don't know. I don't know how much this really speaks to that. But when Jose Fernandez was killed, you know, that team, that entire, that, that devastated the entire organization. Uh, Stanton was also hit in the face a few years ago. Uh, he was hit in the jaw, I, I think. He broke his jaw. He missed, I think he was on his way to an MVP type season, got plunked in the jaw, I think in August or September. I think he was out the rest of the year. That sort of killed that. He came back from that. I mean, he's been through some shit playing baseball. I don't know that New York's really going to bug him. And, you know, hitting 500-foot home runs that are going to look like 600-foot home runs in that little stadium is probably going to alleviate a lot of the pressure that normally would be put on him. I think he's going to be just fine in New York. He's not going to pull a Johnny Damon? <laughs> I don't know. No. Well, Maybe. the only reason I ask is because, because the Yankees, I mean, always have the spot. I mean, first of all, it, it, there was a point in time where New York – was the mecca of baseball. I mean, you and and the Yankees now basically run that fucking town. I mean, unless you're a Mets fan, and most likely if you're a Mets fan, you're a diehard Mets fan, you're raised to be a Mets fan. It's not like you're a casual Mets fan. But right. I've, been, I, I've lived in New York. There's a lot of casual fucking Yankees fans. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, I mean, is this team for real? I mean, they got Sabathia. How long can he fight? I mean... I just don't see Sabathia being like this 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 workhorse. No, the Yankees are never a finished product when spring training ends. You know, the team that is going to take the field here next week isn't going to be the team that's on the field in September. They okay. always make trades. They always do something. And the the one glaring weakness they have right now is their pitching staff. They're starting pitching. Uh, they got Severino. Oh, you mean stud. Sonny Gray isn't going to save them? Sonny Gray is a good pitcher. He's a, he, there's nothing wrong with Sonny Gray. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying. Uh, but, I mean, you know, they, that was supposed to be the savior right there, wasn't he? 
Right. Yeah. You've got uh, Tanaka still there. He's, you know, he's kind of weird. He's really up and down. You know, he, I think he's still got a part, uh, partially torn UCL. I think he's still pitching with that. I mean, it's hard to say. It, they're they're going to do something, you know, if they're, unless the bottom falls out of that, uh, of that ship and it sinks in May, they're going to do something in July or August that is going to shore up that pitching staff. And All if right, they, let me... Let me ask you this. Do you think they missed the boat on you, Darvish? Nah, I don't know. I, I, again, he's, he's so fucking inconsistent. He, he had two good starts, I think, in the postseason last year. He looked really good for the Dodgers, and then he gave him the World Series. He, he didn't help the Dodgers do anything. I mean, I don't know. I, I, he just, if I'm running an organization, I think there are better pitchers out there than you, Darvish. I think he's, he's, um, he's good, he's flashy, but I, I don't. No, nah, I don't think they missed the boat on it. I think the Cubs, I, I forget what the contract was, but uh, I remember thinking to my, I kind of cringed. I'm like, really? Huh. Okay. Well, I hope he works out, but no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't break an organization for you, Darvish. I'm just trying to think of who they could have got to help him out. Who? The Yankees? Well, I, yeah. I mean, Jake Arrieta would have been cheaper. That and a Alex, hell of a lot faster. Alex Cobb would have helped him. Yeah, he, he, he was on the free agent market until today. Uh, Baltimore finally signed him. I mean, there are a lot of pitchers out there that, uh, and I think that may be it. I think the Yankees may be looking to, they may have their eye on, on Michael Fulmer. That's kind of where I was. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, I mean, I'm like, uh, the richer, the rich get richer. Yeah. I mean, they may, they may want the tiger. They may be playing the tiger, the same game. The tigers are in reverse. Maybe they want to let, maybe they didn't make the trade over the winter because they want the tigers to send Michael Fulmer out there a few times to make sure that arm's okay. I mean, if he's still pitching well in June or July, the Yankees going to make a push. I would almost bet the Yankees make a push for him. He's cheap. He's controllable. He's a difference maker. And they've got the talent in that farm system. Well, yeah, and that's what the Tigers do. We, we take our players, we bring them up, get them ready, and ship them out to win a championship. Well, I mean, that's, that's an old joke, but it's, it's truth. For, for a while, it was the truth. I mean, if you, if you weren't Boston, L.A., Chicago, pretty much you were – New York's farm system, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, that was, that was the nineties and two thousands Yankees, you know, yeah. that was just how it was. And then Boston became, you know, New York a little bit farther North and did start doing the same thing and just sucking up all the talent from everybody else's teams that they couldn't afford anymore. I'll tell you what, that's a team right there that has a lot of pressure on them. It's Boston. Is they, they have, they, huh. I, I can't. I don't have a list of the prospects they've traded away in the last few years. But starting with the uh, Craig Kimbrell trade, they have gotten loaded a lot of. They 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 really helped. I think restyle. Wasn't it? Uh, did they get him from San Diego? Kimbrell was he in San Diego for a bit? I forgot. I'd have to look it up. I I can't remember. Well, whoever they traded, I I almost. God, I need to go back and look at it. But they they basically sent uh, just a truckload of really good prospects uh, for Craig Kimbrell. After I think uh, right after Dombrowski, Dombrowski uh, took over leadership in Boston, and you know if this core, if this group of people in Boston, this group of players in Boston doesn't win it, doesn't do anything, there's going to be some dark times in Boston, like there's dark times in Detroit. You know, Dombrowski is, you know, I, I loved him while he was here for a while, but he's operating under the old evil empires uh, schematic, where you, he's signing all these free agents. He's getting rid of the prospects, and he's just throwing all of his chips in the middle of the table to win a championship right now. And if you don't, boy, there are barren times ahead. 
Well, if and, you look at Dabrowski's track record, that's what he is. He's a front-running GM. I yeah. mean, he was down there in Florida, and it, Florida, if that it, the '97 Marlins didn't even look the same by what? Mar- uh, oh, they two no, months they, into the season in '98. Yeah, they completely gutted the team. I mean, uh, that's a lot of the reason that uh, the fan base down in, in South Florida won't support the team is that's happened more than once down there. <laughs> oh yeah, Man. that's it, it, it. Seems like that's that's how they win. Okay, we're going to buy all this talent, we're going to win, and we're just going to fucking get rid of all this talent. Right. And, yeah. I mean, if they do that every ten years, fucking, I guess it's enough to keep a, a you know a franchise afloat and maybe keep somewhat of a fan base, but. I, yeah. Having lived in Florida, I don't understand why they aren't way bigger. Because you got, I mean, first of all, they're in Miami. Baseball's huge in Latin America. There's a lot of fucking, you know, Latino people in 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 South Florida. I don't understand how that team isn't just huge. But yet, Tampa Bay was getting all the fucking notoriety, and rightfully so if you look at the records. Yeah, you know, but. I, it, I don't know. That's uh, let's put the Miami talk on hold for a second. Cause I want to stay on the Red Sox because I, I really want to get to what the fuck you think is going on with Miami and, and Jeter down there. Um, <laughs> now, hold on. Can we can we can we hit? Can we take a break for just a second? Uh, yeah, if you want. That cool. I'm drinking a lot of coffee. That means I got to hit the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Ah, go do right. your thing. All right. Thanks, man. Damn. Well. You two are doing all the heavy lifting. I'm sorry. Guys, you know how it is. Speak up. So no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not complaining. It's nice. <laughs> it's, I was doing like, some listen. research on Andrew Miller. So It's like doing a podcast by listening to a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, shit. I'm trying to figure... What the fuck is his contract? So in a five-year... Wasn't there something weird about J.D. Martinez's contract when when he signed? We we talked about it. And it was oh, shit. Hold on. Okay. Paid all in nickels. Huh? He well, yeah, I, yeah. It's he's got a lot of opt outs, and he can opt out after just two seasons, or the third, or the fourth. And I, the reason, yeah, it's a front loaded contract. I was gonna, I was gonna bring up is that how contracts are being done these days like is it I don't know I'll ask him when he gets back yeah isn't his most of his money guaranteed that seems to be the new hotness is the guaranteed money in every sport yeah because he's well, making especially football <laughs> how you doing Kirk yeah he's making 23.7 the first two years Right. And then twenty the first three years, and then the last two years, if he stays, is nineteen point three. I got some information for you, Rich. Okay, what's up? The last team before the uh, Tigers to win a World Series and not have a Hall of Fame player, eighty-one Dodgers. There you go. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> But yeah, they had Steve Garvey on the team. But I, I just remembered he's he's not in the Hall of Fame. I thought he was, but he's not. I always assume he is for some reason. Yeah, that's. I thought he was. Yep, there you go. See, that's what I get for thinking. 
<laughs> Don Sutton, I don't think, was there. I think he was gone. I think he was in Milwaukee or somewhere else. So, yeah. Well, well sort of was, was 81 at that point, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I get Hall of Fame so it's Well, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, so, it's once again, it's a situation where, yeah, we have a manager that's in the Hall of Fame from our team, <laughs> but not a player. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. All right, so so uh, Boston, I want to ask you about uh, JD Martinez's contract because I remember when when he signed it, we talked about it on the show, and it was, I kind of, I said you know, when when we found out, I'm like, you know, doesn't make a lot of sense unless it's a front loaded contract, and then when the numbers come out, it's exactly what it was, you know, he's twenty three right. seven for the first three years. If he doesn't opt out after that, it's nineteen point three for the last uh, two years on a five year deal, but he can opt out after after two years. Now, it's a new is thing this, now. It's a new trend. Yeah. Exactly what I was getting at. That's what I was going to ask you. Is is this is is this the way that contracts are going to start going in baseball? It's, it's beneficial for both teams, or for, for both player and team, uh, to do that. Because, thank God, Justin Upton had that in his contract, or the Tigers would have been saddled with him, or having to trade him without getting anything in return, right? Yeah. So, if Justin Upton hadn't written that into his contract before the Tigers, or the Tigers signed him to that contract. It was a free agent deal. He had an opt-out. Uh, so, had he not had that opt-out, he'd still be a Tiger, and they'd still be pl- paying that contract. Unless they could find somebody to take it. You see what I'm saying? He, because the team wanted to rebuild, it gave him sort of an ejection button to where, okay, I'm going to go away now and let somebody else pay this contract. It's kind of how he, he wound up in Los Angeles. They didn't trade him, right? He opted out. How did that work? Did they trade him? He opted? Opted? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not absolutely sure on that. Hold on. I don't think they did. I think he... Or did they? Because he... No, no they did trade him. Yeah, the Tigers traded up to, to, for cash. Alcantara? And, and for Grayson Long and a player to be named later. And oh, September fifteenth okay. last year, trade was yeah, completed. Tigers acquiring Elvin Rodriguez. Yeah, sorry about that. I got confused. I'm, I'm confused with somebody else. Um, anyway, no, that is, that is sort of the trend, though. That if uh, like uh, Clayton Kershaw was one of the, he he also has he has an opt an opt out after next year. And there's somebody else that I'm, I'm trying to remember who it is. But no, well, it just it, is, you know who ahead. his agent is. You know who Martinez's agent is. Uh, Boris, I think. Exactly. Yeah, and and that's the agent right now. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. this is this is he's going to be the trendsetter is is and how he wants these you know how he gets these contracts done. Yeah. And yeah, so that's that's why I was wondering because it never it never seemed right for a team to be on the hook seven years down the line after a player's already past his prime for more money shouldn't you yeah. pay him while he's actually putting the numbers up you're paying him for and that you, well you know what i'm saying yeah that's the miggy thing i mean the tigers are on the hook for miggy till 2024 something like that i mean Jesus a really God. Ter- terrible amount of time i mean he's got <laughs> i forget the number I'd, I'd have to again look it up but i think it's like another 200 and 180 million or 210 million something like that i mean that that contract is an albatross but they're paying him. He got that contract for what he did before that. You see what I mean? You're not paying him. <coughs> Excuse me. You're not paying him for what he's going to do at 38. You're paying him for what he did at 27. Yeah. You see what I mean? And that's 
not good, it's not good economics for the team moving forward if you want to be you know build a stable franchise it's really difficult to do that and you know the Yankees used to do that a lot that was the old uh, Alex Rodriguez contract uh, and and these teams they're, they're figuring that out and that's part of the reason I think that you're seeing the, the suppressed free agent market it took Martinez a long time he didn't get anywhere near what he was looking for in that contract it took him a really long time to sign uh, it's, uh, Eric Hosmer took a long time to get that for him to sign the contract in San Diego a lot of these players the teams just are not willing to sign these two to two hundred fifty million dollar contracts anymore. Uh, that lock them in to these uh, players in their declining years. It's just the, they're, they're seeing what happened to Detroit. They're seeing what happened with the Yankees with, with people like uh, Alex Rodriguez. So that's why you've got this new model. You've got this, these teams that are stockpiling these young, controllable talent. They're trying to get the, the opportunity, this window to win while these players are affordable. You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's, that's, it's part of it. The, the model's changed. It's no longer George Steinbrenner's game. It's uh, sort of evolving, and the economics and the you know the contract, the size of the contracts, the early contracts are uh, what's determining that. What's really going to be interesting, though, is when Bryce Harper becomes available next year, because that's a generational talent again, who's 24, 25. He could be 26 when he finally hits free agency for some reason. I, I think that's right, 25. And boy, what do you do with him? Yeah, uh, it's, it's not happening. Nice. Don't think. Don't even say it, Ice. It ain't happening. <laughs> no, nah, he ain't. Bring him to Detroit. <laughs> no, nah, I'd love to see it, brother, but no, <laughs> it definitely ain't happening. Uh, but I mean, if you if you're if you're a team and you're trying to put together a competitive team long term, what do you give Bryce Harper? Do you give him a ten year, four hundred million dollar contract? That's what they're talking. God, that's. I mean, I understand that you know. As time goes on, contracts get bigger. But that is a god awful lot of money for one fucking player. And <laughs> I'm just, uh, yep. I don't know, man. I'm not. I'm not. I am. My thing is, I'm glad I'm not an owner. One, first of all. Two, yep. unless you're going, unless this is like, okay, I'm in a, I'm a, I'm a shit team in a shit market, and I need one big name guy to put asses in the seats, then I can maybe understand it. Yeah. But you, you don't you. How do you build a team around a guy that's got that's getting paid that much? I mean, I know there's no salary cap, but there is a luxury cap. And just yeah, like you and, said, and how do you all, how do you build the rest of the team around that with with all that money going to one player? Exactly, exactly. And so it's just like I, I, I don't know. I, the trend in baseball seems to be like what you you know exactly what you said: get younger, controllable players, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, is that the effect of Moneyball now? What yeah, twenty years out from the purchase or from the purchase, from the publication of that book? I don't know. I, I don't know how that really affects it. I mean, specifically, uh, I think it's. I think it's more. I think Kansas City sort of showed people how to do it a few years ago, where they built. Uh, you know, the Salvador Perez. They had Hosmer. They had Mustakas, and uh, added a few pieces, parts like Wade Davis along the way. Well, Lorenzo Cain, uh, and did it on the cheap in a small market. I think that showed a lot of people uh, how to do it. The Cubs were along the same, you know, they were well into the process at the same time. They came out and uh, won a World Series with these young players, added, you know, people like John Lester to kind of fill the holes or, you know, where they needed to with free agency, but they built the core around people they were paying really comparatively peanuts to. 
Now, yeah. what happens when Chris Bryant hits free agency? What happens then? Who knows? Who knows what the Cubs are going to look like after that? But they got their championship already. You see what I mean? So they're kind of getting ahead of it. They got their win. They got their ring. So now if Chris Bryant wants to leave, he can leave. He already helped them win a championship, which is supposedly the goal, right? That's why you draft these players is to win a World Series. They did it. Astros did the same thing last year. So I don't know. It's it's kind of, you know, the days like we were talking about Trammell and Whitaker, you know, they each spent 20 years in Detroit. Those days are pretty much done. Oh, With yeah. the exception, like maybe Jose Altuve. It looks like he may be an Astro for for life. Who knows? I mean, he's got a five-year contract. I don't know. Probably Come to think of it, probably not. Something, you know, Verlander-ish will probably happen with him. But those days are done. And it's really too bad. Uh, I wish they weren't. It would be nice to, you know, it would have been really nice to have been able to see Verlander stay in Detroit and and not and not have them have to jettison him because of money. You know, he was an icon. He should have been. A, he should have stayed in Detroit his entire career. It's just it's that's so hard in any sport these days, though. I mean, it's just it's almost impossible. Yeah. And the 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 was with with free agency and and and. Everything that come up in what well, was it seventy one with Kurt Flood and all that that's what basically kickstarted everything. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's forty. That's over forty years. It's not like it. You know, when you watch the baseball documentary on on PBS once a year when they're begging you for money, it's not <laughs> like that anymore. Okay, you know yeah. that's. It, I, I would even venture to say baseball isn't even America's pastime anymore. If you really want to get down to crunch numbers, football is king in this country. Period. Sure as fuck. Sure as fuck ain't NASCAR <laughs> or hockey. <laughs> it's too. <laughs> but yeah. okay, so a, a team. So I, I want to talk about a team that I I don't know how I feel about because I think they're just fucking underachieving constantly. On paper, they're a fucking amazing looking team, but they never fucking come through in the clutch, and that's the Nationals. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. I do not I, understand. I don't either. You guys, I, I really don't. You guys they can't close it out. You guys, like the, the guy who spends. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. What is just say they're like the guy who spends the whole night chatting a chick up and then doesn't take her home. They they can't close it out. No matter what, yeah, no matter who they sign, how good yeah. they do in the regular season. Yeah, I don't know. You would think that with Scherzer, Strasburg, they went out and they plugged the bullpen last year. They had a, you know, they were fine as far as the bullpen went into the into the postseason. Uh, I don't know what that is. I mean, they're still there. They're, their window's still wide open. And, you know, there's a lot more rounds in baseball playoffs now. You know, it takes a lot more to get, not just to get to the World Series, let alone win it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe I don't remember exactly how uh, Harper performed in the postseason. I know he was coming off that that little uh, tweak of the knee he had. He was out about six weeks. I think he I think he returned just before the playoffs last year. I don't think he was, you know, quite primed and ready and one hundred percent and performing like he could. Uh, they didn't have Adam Eaton last year. He lost lost him for the season to a knee injury. You know, it's little things like that. The talents there. Trey Turner didn't perform like he was supposed to last year either. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at that team on on paper, and boy, they're the class. You'd think they're the class of the National League East, and they should be, you know, competing in the in the NLCS every single year. They just seem to not. <laughs> I don't I'm understand gonna, why. Is Max Scherzer the best pitcher in baseball? He's a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's the best pitcher in baseball. He's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, he he's That's just pretty, pretty he just brings it consistently, man. 
Something that's, clicked with, when, when the Tigers picked him up. They got him in the uh, the Austin Jackson Curtis Granderson trade. I think in twenty two two thousand nine two thousand ten one of the two. And you remember when he came, people were like, "Why the fuck do we get Max Scherzer? We want Granderson back." Meh, 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 meh. And he was really inconsistent. He he wasn't uh, he he was up and down. He had you know flashes of greatness. But then he would be all over the place, and he'd just get shelled. He would give up like seven runs in a third of an inning or something like that. And the Tigers, Leland, I think it was, uh, sent him down to AAA in 2011, maybe, something like that. And he came back, and in his first start, something clicked while he was down in Toledo. And when he came back, I think he struck out like 15 in his first start back. And ever since then, he has been one of the top three to five pitchers in baseball. Again, it's the same thing that happened with Andrew Miller. Something clicked with his mechanics, with his head, something where he, it just all fell into place. And he has been, I'm telling you, he may be the best pitcher in baseball. He, he stays healthier than Kershaw lately. Uh, and you want a big, you want a big game pitcher. You want an intense pitcher. You want somebody who's a gamer. You want a competitor. Give me Max Scherzer. I tell you, he he is. You look at his stats over the last few years, and provided he doesn't blow his arm out, he's going to be going to the Hall of Fame. And he uh, definitely looks as cool as the other side of the pillow, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, he looks a little freaky. I wouldn't want to hit against those eyeballs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's the shit. He is. But uh, go back and look at that. I mean, if you go on Baseball Reference or and you look at the box scores in his maybe his second year in Detroit, and you check out when he got sent down uh, the last time, the last time he was actually demoted for performance issues and not injury, and you look at that first start when he came back, that was it. That was the beginning of Max Scherzer. I remember this distinctly because he came back a different pitcher than he was when he got sent down. That kid, uh, that kid up in uh, New York at the Mets, Thor. Syndergaard, yeah. Yeah, Noah. That cat can flat out throw. Oh, he's yeah, yeah. He's uh, one of those guys that's going to have to. I'm afraid he's going to hurt himself. He had a lat tear, I think, uh, last year. Um, but yeah, yeah if, since of Zemaya there. Well, <laughs> hopefully he's not going to be moving boxes out of his attic. But We're playing uh, Guitar Hero. Yeah, no shit, boy. You talk about a, a guy who just fell off. I mean, he he was another boy. He was so good. So, so, so good, Zumaya. That, that's a tragedy that he got hurt. Yeah, it was. Cat can uh, fucking throw so fast. Oh, my God. And he, he, he had so much flair. He was fun to watch. Yeah, he's just a guy that I think if you pitch for any other team, if you pitch for the Indians or the White Sox, that absolutely, I wouldn't be quite be Bobby Hurley level hate, but I would hate him <laughs> <laughs> if, if he pitched for another team against me. Yeah, but he uh, and I'll tell you, there's another kid. There's a kid that this this year, and he was up last year. Uh, is uh, Jimenez uh, this kid that we've been hearing about? Uh, it's going to be the closer of the future, like Bruce Rondone was. Uh, he's looked really good this spring, and he's sort of starting to drum up really quietly, a little a little quietly. But if you remember 2006 with Verlander and Zumaya. And this hype of these young rookie kids coming out of spring training going to make the team. Uh, Jimenez is a guy this year. He may be that guy this year. He's um, got his slider under control. His, his control looks a lot better just overall and in general. He's got a lot more confidence. He looked really good this spring. And he's got some shit, boy. He doesn't quite throw as hard as Zumaya did, but, but nobody does. 
Uh, he may be the uh, one of the breakout uh, players this year for the Tigers. What we're talking about, flame-throwing relievers. Keep an eye on him. Well, I was going to say, if if the Nationals' problem is closing out a game, yeah. uh, they're not going to help themselves by signing Benoit. That's that's just... That's just <laughs> Did they sign I, Benoit? I missed that. Yeah, one <laughs> he's year still deal. pitching? Yeah, yes. he's still around. Yeah. One-year deal. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, they got Doolittle... They got Doolittle in the bullpen. He's 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 good. I mean, their their bullpen's fine. You look at Houston last year, and um, Giles was terrible, and they won a World Series. You know, Giles he, he obviously was overwhelmed by the moment last year. They 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 were putting their their starting pitchers in to close games out because they did not trust Giles in the ninth inning. So if that can happen for the Astros, and you can win a World Series that way, I mean, I'm I'm all right with with Sean Doolittle and whoever else they've got in the bullpen there. I I, I don't have the list in front of me. I know there's a, a few really good pitchers now, uh, and Benoit's all right. He's a sixth seventh inning guy now at this point in his career. He's okay. Uh you know, he's no Blaine Hardy, that's for sure. Well, that's, but, you know, uh, that's, it, that, it, that's something I also wanted to bring up is that it seems like, you know, with, with pitch counts and, and teams worried about players burning their arms out, it obviously went from, you know, go out there and pitch until I take you out the game to, okay, he's at 100 pitches, get him out. Some teams live and die by that rule. Other yeah. teams have a little bit more flex to them. Yeah. But it seems like the closer role, Especially since, like, it, it, uh, maybe like 10, 15 years, it's a lot more. It's like running backs in the NFL. It's not you got your guy and you, and you live and die with him. You you pretty much plug in who you think's going to get the fucking job done, and there's really no like there's no there's no Mariano Rivera. You know, saying like, boom, this is it. We're bringing him in. Game over. Wade Davis. I think has been in that role for the last few years with the Rockies. Now we'll see how he does <laughs> in Denver. <laughs> Kenley Jansen out in L.A. Uh, I think he, he sort of fits that into that mold. Um, hey, hey, Todd. A, a lot of times, this is a great time to ask you this question. A lot of times on this podcast, uh, we all talk about the quote "old guard," like in the NFL, NHL, and how much the sports has changed, and not just the sport, but the players in the sport. Yeah. Like everybody's trying to say LeBron James better than Jordan, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. It's a different game. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Anyways, I'll yeah. take you I'll, to take to, always to gotta get, get that in there, don't you? And then you come with me to James. I'm just saying. We're moving on. My question to you is this. Do you think baseball suffers from that? Suffers from what? I'm still stuck the, on the old The old guard. <laughs> what, do you mean, what are you asking specifically? Do I think it, that, that modern day players are better than the old timers? Are not as good as the old time. No, yeah. Well, you can. You, baseball has a hundred years of history, and you can go back. There's actually, if you're a baseball fan, there's a YouTube channel that you should check out. I think it's called MLB Classics, and you can actually go back and you can watch games from the '50s, and you can watch games from the '70s, and you can watch games from the '80s. And I can tell you this: that the pitching, everything, everything starts, it begins and ends with pitching. Okay. Uh, the pitching now is, just with the eyeball test, infinitely better than it was in the 1960s. you got to understand, Bob Gibson is known as like this flame-throwing just a monster, right? Nolan Ryan is known because he hit 100.8 miles an hour in a game, and everybody thought that was amazing. Aroldis Chapman hit 105 not too long ago, okay? The pitching... These days, 
I don't think there's any question is heads and tails above anything that was going on 30 years ago. I mean, it was a big deal when I was a kid. If a starting pitcher threw 90, he was a flamethrower. Blaine fucking Hardy throws 90 miles an hour. You see what I mean? And so everything sort of spins off of that. Now, if you've got players like Barry Bonds, juiced or not, whatever, or Giancarlo Stanton, or somebody like uh, Jose Altuve, who is putting up similar numbers, historically uh, competitive numbers with the best player in, players in baseball history against that kind of pitching, I don't think there's any question that the players today are Heads and tails above anybody else. You take Mickey Mantle and you put him in today's game, who is he going up against these, these, these uh, uh, pitchers that are thrown in the upper 90s consistently? You take Mike Trout and you put him in the, in the, in the 1950s where people are throwing 85 miles an hour. What's he going to do? He's a god. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, to me, I, I, don't, I, I, I love the old-time players. I'm, I'm just, I love... Old, old school baseball. I really do. But intellectually, if I'm going to have any intellectual honesty, I, I can't. It, it just seems clear to me that the best now is going to be better than anybody who was considered the best then because of the competition level. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's mind blowing because <laughs> any other league we, we talk about it. We're like the old guard's gone and we're left with this pussy version of the game. Nah, nah, not with baseball. No, <laughs> and I, I think it, with basketball, I'm not. I don't want to go off into basketball, but I think the same thing. I mean, if you put, uh, um, I don't know who's a, who's a dominant Uh-oh. big man today. Oh boy, now, I'm not going to go too far into it. But if you take a dominant big man who has all access to the training and everything else that's happening, you know these these training methods and the advancement in sports medicine and um, physiology and everything, and you put them in the 1960s, I mean, come on. I, I don't think there's any question that the, the athletes have gotten better. I think all across the board. But Yeah, but the one thing that we... You say LeBron might be better? <laughs> than Jordan? No. So no, the, one I, thing, no. the one thing that we constantly go back to is... In, in, pretty much any sport except for baseball, because baseball, why it has its moments, it can be a contact sport. Well, it used to be. You could run the catcher over. Now, you know, they dig up your grandmother and spank her if you even look at them. Thanks, Buster Posey. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, dude. (laughs) Anyways, um, it's the level of physicality that's being taken out of it. You know, you couldn't, you take some of these players from the NBA today and you put them back in the the bad boy piston era. (laughs) Forget it. Those guys, those guys, they, they cry now if someone sneezes in their direction and they're, you know, there's not a call. You take these players in the, in the NHL who right. don't have, I mean, the NHL's gotten so pussified, it's to where a big hit equals brawl. No. Right. You had your head down and you were going through the neutral zone. You got rocked. That's what yeah. you get. Keep your fucking head up. But now right. it's like, oh, no, no, I can't, you know, it's just. That's that's where a lot of, at least me, that's where a lot of my griping comes in. In football, we don't even need to get into it. You can't even fucking look at a quarterback well, anymore. You can apply this to baseball directly. I mean, if you, uh, I'll invoke Bob Gibson again. He was a headhunter. You know, you looked at him wrong, and you were you were getting one in the ear hole. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> no doubt about it. Nolan Ryan, one of the reasons that he was so dominant in the 70s, he was wild as shit. And he would throw inside. He didn't have a problem knocking you on your ass. If you got a, too good of a swing on him. He took it personally. He would knock you the fuck down. Simple. <laughs> and now it's like these pitchers, they've lost the inside part of the plate. 
He throws something inside, and oh my God, Mr. Batter there is going to puff up like you just, just smacks grandma in the left titty. You know? <laughs> so you, there is an element to that. There, there's a, this old physical intimidation factor you, where just, just in, the, in the pitcher batter dynamic has been taken away in the last, I don't know, probably 20 years. I mean, in the, in the 80s. Uh, people were buzzing, you know, the hitter's tower. You got too good of a swing. You look too comfortable in the box. Boy, you were backed off. And now you can't do that. Oh, my God. You threw too close to me. Uh, my f- my favorite pitcher of all time is Randy Johnson. Yeah, he's up there with me, too. Why? That big unit son of a bitch, that back fucking country look. <laughs> Looked like he just drank you a 12-pack before looking. he hit the mound. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like he ought to have a like a forty of natty light sitting back there, and taking a slug out of it every time he strikes somebody else. Ah, oh, motherfucker! Gulp. I'm telling you, looked like he was driving a pickup truck home from the stadium. Yeah. Exactly, I'll say it. But he was exactly. one of those guys, though. He 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 was sort of that Bob Gibson type, though. And he may he maybe Clemens, maybe a little bit. I don't know of one today that has that sort of snarl to him. That you you know, I may hit you. <laughs> <laughs> you understand that, right? I don't. I don't know of anybody that's left. He may have been the last sort of throwback uh, to that that era, where you were an intimidating, dominating pitcher that nobody wanted to step in against for out of physical fear. I just, you know, I keep thinking back to you, Robin Ventura, learning his lesson the hard way. <laughs> that just because yeah. just because you call him old man on the mound, don't mean that he won't beat the shit out of you. Did you ever and, hear the story about that though? Robin Ventura, like he doesn't like to talk about it anymore. Oh, you uh, think? <laughs> yeah, but he will. And he he uh, he tells a story that he uh, didn't realize what he was doing, and he got halfway out to the mound, and he's like, "What the hell am I doing? I'm charging Nolan Ryan." And then you notice he didn't put up much of a fight when he got out there. It was <laughs> like he just took the the forty five year old man punches to the head. And then went and just sort of vanished off to the dugout after he got ejected. But he, his heart was not in it. He sort of just reacted to it. And on the way to the mound, realized what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, I give him a little bit of credit, at least for the honesty there. Because, yeah, you're going to go charge Nolan Ryan. Take your beat and go sit down. I mean, I'm trying First to documented think of use of the phrase uh, YOLO. Yeah. That's fact. <laughs> Is it? I didn't know that. No, no. I, you know, I, I I'm trying to think of a pitcher who kind of has, like you said, that I, he's not in the league anymore. But I remember Farnsworth. Yeah, he was a little bit like that. Yeah, I remember yeah. someone rushed him. He picked him up in fucking w- body slammed him. Body slammed him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm trying he's to think. Like, I mean, if, if there is any, it's going to be a reliever, and I don't think there's one left. I mean, I don't, really I, don't. I don't think there is. And part of me under like okay, it's going to sound weird coming from me because I'm a, I'm an advocate of keeping fighting in hockey, but I can kind of understand it also because you're paying players um, sure. just ridiculous amounts of money. You don't want guys out there headhunting yeah. and ending yeah. a guy's career. These guys in the '60s were going off being plumbers in the off season to make ends exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that. That's that's literal. There's some guy I can't remember his name, but it was a fucking plumber in the off season. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think the guy, uh, the one guy recently, the last one may have been Jordano Ventura. That's the last one I can think of. He's dead now. Uh, died a car accident, I think, last year. 
uh, pitched for the Royals. But yeah, he was down right. in South America. Yeah, uh, Dominican, I think. But he would he would throw at you. He was a he was an ornery little bitch. <laughs> I didn't like him. <laughs> I couldn't stand him. But I think he may have been the last one. I mean, I, I just I go back to you know Bob Gibson saying, "Why would I put take four pitches to put him on base when I can do it with one?" <laughs> you just plunk you. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's hey, yeah. it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, also the game's changed in that. Can you imagine? The bat flips and all this shit back in the day. No. Like, I, I, no. Them, them, them fuckers, they no. wouldn't even, the pitcher wouldn't have had to do shit. The first baseman would have beat the dog shit out of him as he was trying to round first. Catcher would have grabbed him by the back of the, the, the head of the hair and, and, and rubbed their, their, their face in the, in, the, in the baseline. You'd have never it's, gotten to first base. I mean, it's just, it, so, and, I mean, I, and I, I get it. It makes for whatever. People like to see it. But to me, it's kind of yeah. like, eh. Really? Who really? was that? Batista from Toronto? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you saw what uh, Rugnet or Rugnet Ordur did to him the next year, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> why I mentioned him. He just said, he just, well, that was a nice punch. <laughs> There's this old thing, baseball players can't fight. That was a nice punch. Like, whack, I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> Batista just hanging his left a little low. That's going to affect him in the later rounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So, so, all right. So, let's let's fast forward here to later in the season. Yeah. Name me some teams that you think have a legit chance at the World Series. Astros, obviously. Uh, well, let's go by division. Red Sox and Yankees, I think, of the American League East. Baltimore. Is I don't know why they signed Alex Cobb. They don't have uh, they, they don't have the staying power. I don't think uh, Tampa Bay. No. Uh, who else am I missing in the AL East? There's another team: Boston, New York, Tampa, Baltimore. Well, whoever it is, they don't matter. If I can't think of them, American <laughs> League Central. Uh, probably I think the the Cleveland Indians have a legit shot. They're a good 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 freaking team. Uh, they sort of collapsed last year. Um, you know, Minnesota's done some interesting things. Odorizzi, Lance Lynn, they've really bolstered the uh, the pitching rotation. <laughs> they signed Fernando Rodney. <laughs> oh, isn't that special? Uh, Byron Buxton sort of turned into the player that everybody expected him to. I mean, Minnesota's a good team. Um, well, yeah, but when you say Fernando Rodney, speaking of, he's still playing? Yeah, he's, he's a, he's a exactly. twinkie. Exactly. Yeah, he's... Uh, I thought it was bad that, that Washington had Edwin Jackson and Ryan Rayburn on their 40-man roster. <laughs> Come on now, Bartolo Colon's still playing. Uh, he, uh, his futures, uh, he hasn't had a good CC CeCe Sabathia is still playing. He's, he was good last year. I mean, yeah, was, but CeCe Sabathia is good. We're talking about Colon here. Yeah, he's, he, may, he may have pitched his last game. He's not having a good uh, spring training with the Rangers. Uh, Chicago could surprise some people. Uh, the White Sox, uh, they're not quite there yet, though. Um, Kansas City's Kansas City. Sorry, Royals. Sorry, dude. Kansas guy. Um, <laughs> Kansas um, City dismantled their whole team. Well, they got they did bring Bustakis back. Um, uh, I'm trying to and think Alex. Of, yeah, Alex Gordon. Yeah, did he resign? Was he a free agent? What did I miss? Yeah, whatever. Um, so that's pretty much it for the Central. I mean, you've got the Twins. I think you've got the the Indians. The Tigers are. <laughs> <laughs> going to be a long season there. Uh, American League West, I think it's. I don't think there's any doubt that uh, the Astros are the class of the division out there. Uh, Texas and C- Seattle's interesting. 
you know, they've, they've made a couple of acquisitions. I think D. Gordon's going to be uh, really fun to watch, especially with Cano in the middle of the lineup out there. There's somebody else that I'm missing in Seattle as well that I forgot. Uh, they're interesting, but they, they just don't. They brought Ichiro back. That'll be fun to watch. Uh, signed him to a one-year deal. So I think you're looking at... Uh, yeah, I think you're looking at, in the American League, you're probably looking at uh, probably the Yankees, I think, are going to win the East. I think the Indians will run away with the Central Division again. I think the Astros are going to run, run away with the West. I don't even think it's going to... They may win that division by 30 games if everything goes well for them. And then you probably got the Red Sox, I think, as the wild card again. Uh, so if I'm going to... Yeah, I think Houston. Uh, you have to put your money on Houston with the Yankees as a as a dark horse. Mary uh, in the National League East, I think yeah, you got to pick the Nationals again. You know who else is there really? The, uh, the underachievers, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe their year. It's Bryce Harper's walk here. You know he's got that that big contract coming up. He looks healthy. He may he may put up some historic numbers this year. I mean, I'm still. When he's on, he's the best player in baseball, hands down, in my opinion. Um, National League Central looks interesting. You got the Cubs. The Brewers have done some really, in- really, really interesting things up there. Boy, with uh, Kristen Yelich and Lorenzo Cain, uh, their pitching's a little, little iffy. I, I, I think you got to look at the Cubs again. And National League West, Dodgers, <laughs> and the Giants. <laughs> yeah, well, Giants, Giants uh, added. No, Justin uh, Turner just broke his wrist. He did, yeah, he did, but it's not it's it's not going to require surgery, uh, and he's going to be able to start range of motion exercises, I guess, relatively early, relatively soon, like in the next week or two. So it's not something where he's going to be out until August, I don't think. So, so, so uh, but off in a week. Well, yeah, but he does. It, it, it's not requiring surgery, and if he's able to begin the range of motion stuff, that really bodes well. It's a small, non-displaced fracture, so it may be. I mean, it's not going to be. You know, a 15-day DL kind of thing. But I don't think he's going to be out until, you know, Labor Day. Um, and and they're, they're, they're deep enough, and the division's weak enough where they really don't have to. I, don't, I, I think they'll be able to withstand that. Diamondbacks, yeah, I just can't. <laughs> I can't get behind the Diamondbacks uh, at all. And the Giants, like I said, with Evan Longoria and Andrew Bacutchin now, um, they, you know, tied for the worst record in baseball with the Tigers last year. Tigers had a worse record the year before, therefore got the number one pick. Giants are going to be a whole hell of a lot better this year. Uh, but I don't, yeah, I don't think, I don't see anybody challenging the Dodgers out there. So, uh, if I had to pick a wild card team, probably the Brewers, I guess. So looking at Cubs, uh, Nationals, Dodgers, Brewers, I think the playoffs. And then, uh, I would say... If I were to lay a bet, I'd say probably the Cubs or the Dodgers come out of the National League this year. Maybe the maybe the Nationals, but yeah, I don't know. Let's go out on a limb and let's give the Nationals their due this year. Let's let's pretend that uh, <laughs> they finally put it all together and we've got a Nationals Astros series in the uh, in uh, October. That's kind of what I was rooting for last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know you know MLB would hate it because there'd be oh fucking ratings are going to be in the toilet, but. I think it's a good thing you get some teams that you haven't seen year in, year out. I mean, I, I can't remember who, you know, I, I quote this person, I can't remember who said the quote, but it's good for baseball when the Yankees are good because it gives everybody a villain. Somebody to hate. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Um, but it's not good for baseball for the Yankees to be in the fucking World Series every goddamn year. <laughs> no, no, no. You gotta, you gotta let the bad guy get beat every now and then. One, one other big uh, sort of development that I, I read about in the last couple of days is that MLB is looking at regular season games in England. 
next year. So, yeah, they're moving off to their, I guess, third continent now. <laughs> uh, they they have I, no idea where they're going to play. They don't know if it's going to be at Wembley Stadium or where it's going to be in, but they want uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox to play over there uh, for two games, I think, in June or July of 2019. That's right. Taking a page out of the NFL there. Well, they've been trying to figure this. I mean, they've been playing in uh, Japan. Uh I think they've done that uh, a few times over the last few years. So they've been trying to branch out. They just, they're trying to, yeah, yeah that's basically it. They're trying to make their, their brand multi-continental. And yeah, I think it's kind of neat. be kind of cool. I don't know if I'd really want to do the travel if I played, but I guess I don't know what the difference between an East Coast team going to England and an East Coast team going to California would be. No. I just, I, I got to file that one under why. I, I, I've not ever met anyone from Europe who is a diehard baseball fan. I mean, it would be a curiosity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and as far as international appeal, isn't that what the World Baseball Classic's for? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, been, go, that's, a huge, that's a huge success, though. So, well, but I mean, going like to the, the NFL, go, went and played in Mexico, and then went and played in the UK. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, baseball, I don't know. Well, baseball going to Japan, that just makes sense. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There the is Dominic- the- playing in the yeah. Dominican. That makes perfect sense. Mexico. I'd love to see a game in Mexico City. <laughs> oh man, they'd be nuts yeah. down there. But, but yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I guess if you, I don't know, there's baseball's making some decisions that I just don't understand. Like the whole limiting how many times a catcher can come to the mound to six per game, and there's catcher already clock. been catchers. Oh, yeah. that's something we we could talk about if you really want to go out on a high note. Is this pace of play bullshit? I mean, if you want to, if you want to increase, remember I was talking about that uh, MLB Classics thing on YouTube, that channel on YouTube. Mm-hmm. If you go back and watch those games, you can instantly see where the problems in pace of play are. It's the pitcher taking forty-five seconds to scratch his balls between each pitch and going through some sort of Mr. Miyagi routine before he throws the ball, while the batter is doing the same goddamn thing in the batter's box. Stay the fuck in the batter's box. Keep your hands up, pitcher. Get the ball. Get your sign. Throw the ball. It's pretty simple. All this other stuff that they're talking about has nothing to do. It's going to make a difference. It's not going to make a huge difference in pace of play. It's about the time, the the amount of time between when the catcher catches the ball and the pitcher throws the next pitch. All these stupid yoga routines, these yoga, I'm going to do downward facing dog now before I get back in the batter's box. Stop that shit. Get in there and hit. Get on the fucking mound and pitch. That's it. That's all you have to do. Go watch that channel and watch how how quickly the ball was thrown, how how short of a a period of time between pitches there is. That's where your pace of play problem is. Do you remember Max Scherzer uh, fixed that? Do you remember what I'm talking about? There was a batter that took, like, fuck all ever to get into the batter's box to to get ready to uh, hit the ball. And Max is like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then he threw the pitch. And then the next time he faced him, as soon as he was in the box, Max threw the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's where it's at. Yeah. They're talking about the length of the game being a problem and everything. That is exactly where the problem is. It's not the, the, the visits to the mound and all this other stuff. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, I just loved it. I can't remember what catcher said it, but I just loved it when he was like, I don't get If I got to go out and talk to my pitcher, I'm going to go talk to my pitcher. I don't give yeah. fuck what your rule is. You know? <laughs> and I'm yeah. just like, there you go. I mean, because honestly, if you are a hardcore baseball fan, I think one of the appeals of baseball is there's no fucking clock. 
You, right. The game will take as long as the game takes. I've been, I had season tickets in 2005. I've been to games that lasted an hour and 45 minutes. I've been to games that lasted four hours. Right. You know, I'd be pissed yeah. if I went in and it, it, games were 90 minutes or less. I'd be like, especially all the money you spend these days, parking, concessions, fuck that. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. I could go yeah. to the movies if for an yeah. hour and a half. I want, uh, I want an evening of this. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, you remember I, you remember Mike Hargrove played for the uh, Indians. They used to call him yeah, the Human yeah. Rain Delay. Yeah, he, they they called him the Human Rain Delay back in the seventies, uh, eighties, I think. And, and every every hitter now is a Mike a Mike Hargrove. They have to they all go through this stupid freaking routine before every single pitch. Miguel Cabrera does it with his damn batting gloves. He's stepping out, got to adjust the cup, got to adjust the batting gloves, got to make sure the hat's on right, rub his eyes, and, uh, stay in the box, put the fucking bat back up and hit. God damn it. <laughs> That's all you need to do. The, the dude who drove me the, the, the most nuts with that shit was fucking Noma with his yeah. fucking yeah, gloves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, what are you flapping your wrist around for? Get the, what the fuck, the fuck oh. are you doing? I got a good story for you on Nomar. This guy, uh, I was working at Coors Field from uh, 05 to 07. Uh, I mentioned that earlier. And he was with the Dodgers at the end of his career then. And he is so weird, dude. I would go out. I took my camera out there and uh, would take a lot of pictures before the game. So I was down at the camera well during the pregame stuff. And that guy was so, he had so many obsessive little uh, uh, habits. He would go out and he had to sit on the bench. I have a, a great picture. That is one of the ones that was actually uh, taken by the Hall of Fame. It's got uh, Greg Maddox sitting at one end of the bench. And then down here in the corner is Nomar Garcia Perra. He wouldn't let anybody talk to him. He wouldn't let anybody around him. So you've got this 300-game winner, Greg Maddox, who is like staying all the way down at the other end of the bench just so he doesn't bother Nomar as Maddox is getting ready for his pregame before he goes out in the bullpen. And then Garcia Parra would go out, and he would do the exact same routine before every game like the stretching and uh, you know twisting his him, his back with this little stick that looked like a bat but it was I, I swear to god man it was like groundhog day watching nomar do his routine before each and every game it's like he had ocd and he did the same thing in the batter's box same exact thing he was so uh, i don't know what the word is but it was really kind of, it was almost kind of creepy to watch it and uh, very ritualistic yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And I mean, I, I, guess I mean, I, I get that because baseball is ultimately you you succeed three out of ten times. Sure, you pretty yeah. much just punched your ticket to the Hall of Fame. So I get it. Yeah, it's but, a game of you know superstitions and shit. But to take it to well, the level that some of these guys do is just well, Wade Boggs. I mean, he's pretty famous for eating chicken before every game, right? And okay, fine, that's a pregame meal. This guy is like bordering on some sort of psychological disorder <laughs> with this stuff. I mean, come on. <laughs> what can this be doing for you, man? <laughs> you know? He's, he's somewhere on the spectrum, undiagnosed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, shit. But yeah, um, okay, so I kind of got a feeling. But let me ask. What are your feelings on a pitch clock? You don't need it. You just get in the damn box. You know, if somebody steps out, let the pitcher throw it. Let the pitcher make his pitch. If you're in the box, you're in the box. You're not in the box, you're not in the box. You know, unless there's a bug, unless you're going to get stung in the eyeball by a wasp, stay in the damn box. That's all you need. You go back, and like I said, I I encourage you and everybody else who's listening to this, including you, Jamie Foxx, go watch this MLB uh, network, the MLB Classics uh, channel on YouTube, and watch the pace of play. 
Get ball, throw ball. Get ball, throw ball. Get ball, throw ball. You don't need a pitch clock. You don't need any of this other stuff. You just need them to play the damn game. That's it. That's all you need. I, I, I mean, absent that, it just seems weird having a, a shot clock on a baseball field. Yeah. It, it, no. it just doesn't doesn't feel right. And I know no. I know your opinion on this, but you haven't said it on the show yet. Um the talk of if it goes into extra innings, put in a runner at second base. And then, and then letting the manager pick which three no. players he wants to go up out of order. No, 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 <laughs> no. No. No need to me, that, I like these that, I like these twenty three inning games, man. Huh? It, to me, that opens a can of worms that is just, it, it's, it's a, okay, 10th inning, each each manager gets picked three guys to go up. Now what happens in the 11th? <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? I mean, you so send Miggy up every fucking inning? <laughs> Apparently not. It's, it's just, it's now. I mean, I'm not, I, I understand. Don't earn that contract, bitch. <laughs> I, under, I understand rule changes and letting the, letting the game evolve, you know, like instant replay. You know, Armando, Armando Galarraga's lost perfect game and all that is kind of what triggered that. I get the game has to evolve and all that stuff. But this just, that's obscene. If you're a baseball fan, batting out a turn and putting guys on second base who didn't actually get on base is just, it seems to me, yeah, obscene. Let them play. You know, it's, there's, there's some charm in these 22-inning games. <laughs> you know, maybe not much if you're working it, or or something else. But uh, no, you don't. We don't need a shootout. We don't need an NHL style shootout. It's baseball. It's not what baseball does. Yeah, I'm in my right there with right there with you. I, when I heard it, I'm just like, really? Come on now. Some of the best games I've been to have went in extra innings. Sure. I, mean, I, I, I I clearly remember. Brooklyn's hitting a walk-off home run in 1987 against the Yankees, and the whole fuck and, and all the Tiger Stadium going absolutely fucking nuts. You know, well, it, it's like you want to get rid of that. Think of it this way: what, what would we were talking about Jack Morris earlier? What would game? What would the tenth inning of the seventh game of the World Series have looked like in 1991 with a guy on second and you and you know Bobby Cox being able to pick who comes up to the plate? You know, do you, do you, is that really what you want? Would you really rather substitute that classic game, that classic 10-inning game of the seventh game of a World Series? Is that how you'd rather that game ended? No, not me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I understand any, you know, things to do with player safety, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. But to change the, the fundamental, to change the core of the game, and yeah. let's be honest, they're not doing it because they give a fuck about length. They're doing it so they can fucking make more money. And that just seems, I mean, I get it. It's a business. This is a business. It's entertainment. But it's like, really? Just so what? You, what are you going to do with the extra time? They're just going to throw more commercials on the fucking games. <laughs> yeah. Don't act right. like they're not. I mean, well, it's really so I get to sit through more commercials. Oh, wonderful. Well, yeah. If you want to get. You want to make a rule change. One rule change I will get behind is getting rid of the expanded rosters in September. When the pennant races are decided, you've got another 15 pitchers on your pitching staff so you can go out there every third of an inning and bring a new pitcher in. That In, in crunch time for the season, I, I could see expanding the rosters in April, maybe, if you want to you know, include the service time crap for the players union and all that, but not in September. You know, I never understood. I never understood the whole September to forty man roster. It's when did so that dumb. start? 
I, it's been that way ever since I can remember. I don't know when it started. I don't have that information. But uh, it, it's that, that, that when you get into September and you've got a non-contending team bringing up, putting double-A pitchers in the game that can determine and affect a pennant race, to me, that just, uh, no, that needs to go. And I would encourage someone to do the research on time of game in September as opposed to time of game in May because of that. That's so maddening. Oh, my God. It's just mind-numbing. Anytime a Joe Torre fucking Yankees team was in in the playoffs, I was like, oh, boy, it's going to be a long one. I mean, especially if... Especially if they play the Red Sox, because Red Sox yeah. bit off his fucking style, and it's like, really, you're going to come out there and, and, and just, I'm like, you're slowing the game down to a crawl. I get it; it's a it's a strategic move, but holy shit, man! Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. well, like, Sparky, Sparky a- was notorious for that. Yeah, uh, called him Captain Hook. He would come out and he just he'd, be, he'd do this matchup. So you remember Bill Shearer, uh, this little this tall, le- lanky, left-handed, uh, soft-tossing curveball specialist. He'd he'd come out there, bring Shearer in, just so he could get a left-hander out, and then be out there again to bring in Aurelio Lopez. <laughs> you know, it's just it it's it's uh, some some managers are doing it, and, and Sparky and Torrey had a lot of success. But I I don't think that they should have 15 pitchers in their bullpen. At that, at their disposal to do that in September, you know, I like the idea. Okay, you want to go make pitching changes? Fine, but you know, you've got six people out there or seven pitchers in your bullpen. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to atone for that if the game goes extra innings. No. All right. Well, any other questions, well, guys, you, or thoughts? If if you didn't like baseball, you aren't listening. At this <laughs> point. And if and if you do like Bobby Hurley. You're not listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we lost our Tobacco Road uh, listeners. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. If this does find you, it find its way to you, Mister Hurley. I I apologize for my comments, but uh, really, I did hate you a lot. But I wish you luck coaching, <laughs> coaching out there as Arizona State or wherever the whatever team you're cursing these days. Hey, you won a title that year. Sorry, he won a title that year. He's cool. Yeah. Yeah, good player. That's why I hate him. <laughs> but hey, this is fun. Yeah. Just come on the show more often. Yeah, let me know. I'm thinking actually. I'm thinking about starting. I, I told you about this earlier. I'm thinking about doing a baseball podcast, uh, just to kind of cleanse my palate from the politics <laughs> here and there. So uh, it's nice. It's a nice break. Yeah, it helps. This is much better. <laughs> it really is. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Escapingthecave.com is the website. I will put some up there if you if I do start this thing up. If uh, you guys want to come and do the uh, the checking of it, checking out of it. But I'm losing my faculties. It's a lot of talking, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But uh, it's so, so then we'll just we'll just we'll fucking trapdoor right out of this bitch. Just follow us on uh, Twitter at Sporty Podcast. You can email the show SportyChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. All right, later, guys. Peace out, y'all. All right, guys. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening.
Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.